0: Uh, this is Preston Stone. I just went to uh, Spectrum Fantastic Art Live, uh, and I wanted to tell you a little bit about it. Um, first, you can find my work at www.prestonstone.daportfolio.com. All right, let me tell you about Spectrum. First, I traveled out there with um, the Denver Illustration Salon and uh, John Shindahedi, who had just moved to Denver not too long ago to start Um, Denver Illustration Salon with uh, several young professionals and uh, people trying to break into professional illustration. Um, Everyone was uh, extremely nice in the group, welcomed me in. Um, We uh, arrived at Spectrum um, and I helped everyone set up their booths. Uh, One of them, John's booth, was a set of three by three paintings that he had uh, put together through his site Art Order and with the help of uh, InfectedByArt.com. Um, these paintings were absolutely incredible. Uh, if you have time, I, I think you can check most of them out on uh, InfectedByArt.com, but there were several that didn't make it up on the site, and I believe John's planning on auctioning those off somehow, I'm not sure, but be looking for that on ArtOrder.com. Uh, yeah, some some of the people that submitted things, these three by threes were were just. I can't describe the level of detail that went into them, and I am uh, a little bit embarrassed to have my work next to uh, some artists like Greg Manchess and Ralph Horsley. Uh, I mean, next year, I. I want to go all out. I want to spend a lot of time working on those three by threes. They were really incredible and it was a great thing for John to put together. Anyway, um, despite my, my feelings on my own art, uh, one of the highlights of my week, Irene Gallo came up to John's booth with most of the three, three by threes being laid out. I was helping lay those out, uh, for display and, uh, She, I didn't know her, she didn't know me, and she looked down and was talking to John and was looking at these three-by-threes and found mine somehow, and uh, turned to John and said, hey, uh, I really like this, I don't know the artist, Preston Stone, and uh, it was a really good feeling, it made me um, feel, uh, you know, really comfortable later uh, asking her to give me a portfolio review, as I I asked several people to give me a portfolio review, and that's uh, a big reason to go if you're a young professional or a person looking to break into the industry. Um, I feel like I've grown a lot without really uh, hitting hitting the work again. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it'll be something I'm going to be working on for the next several months, improving my work and focusing it on um, the assignments that I really would like to get. Uh, but I would really suggest going to an event like this or IlexCon um, if you're looking to uh, improve your work. Um, you can get the opinion of, several great artists as I did. I think I I had uh, about seven artists look at my work and um, three or four art directors from different fields look at my work. Um, uh, very informative. And uh, I, my just the networking alone is worth going. Uh, even if you have no plans, I don't know why you wouldn't, but if you have no plans on uh, touching your artwork and trying to improve upon it. Um, the... Uh, end of every night at Spectrum is, uh, kind of a relaxed party. Everyone goes to the, the hotel lobby and just hangs out for hours and hours. Um, I spent most of the time drawing, but it was nice to, you know, it kind of starts a, a conversation up and, um, people come by and want to look at your, your sketchbook and you've been talking and then you find out they're Wesley Burt and they're much better at drawing than you are. um, uh, by the way, if you ever find uh Burt and you have a chance, look at his sketchbook. Because, holy crap. Um, uh, <laughs> he does photorealistic people out of his head. No big deal. Anyway, um, the the first night, that party that relaxed setting um happened to go on at at the top floor of the aladdin hotel and what it was was a life drawing session with two models and i think basically everyone in attendance um that was an artist was was there it was like a who's who of fantasy sci-fi illustration um you could walk around and find uh you know drew baker painting in oils um you could find uh Uh, Steve Argyle doing some graphite work. Uh, It was really spectacular. There were some people, uh, I I didn't know the names of a lot of the people around me, but they were all absolutely amazing. Um, And honestly, as a life-drawing student, that would be a reason to just go to the event. If you had no other reason, get there for that and take part in that life drawing session i mean they they just go for hours and hours and the the models were incredible one of the models i she must have done the weirdest poses i've ever seen but it it was incredible um i think at one point she was like doing a headstand for 20 minutes and i just i didn't know how anyone how it was physically possible but it was uh, incredible to have the opportunity to be in a life drawing session uh with a person of that skill modeling basically what I'm trying to say is you should go to Spectrum Fantastic Art Live. Um, there's a ton of reasons. I I didn't even get to the, the panels and the fact that you get to watch people like Greg Manchester uh, paint. And, you know, it's just an incredible event. Um, but anyway, uh, on the final day, I was able to grab some audio uh, and interview a lot of the the big artists, that I saw at the event and some newer artists. Um, the first interview I got was with Aaron B. Miller. Um, next, I I got uh, Rebecca Yanovskaya, who is a um, upcoming artist. She is Muddy Colors, rising star. Uh, I interviewed um what uh wiley becker she's a relatively new artist but her work's been displayed in imagine effects and it is just breathtakingly gorgeous and it glows off the page um and then the, the last interview was with an artist that i had done a research project uh and a presentation on in college several years ago um one of the best in the industry donato Giancola, and i was very honored to spend time with him and be able to talk with him about his work and um what he had his his background is quite interesting. So uh enjoy the interviews and uh go go to uh Spectrum if you ever have the chance just go. All right, so I'm here with uh
1: Aaron Miller. Um I where can we find your work, first of all? (laughs) Hey Ninja Mountain. Uh, this is Aaron, and you can find my work at aaronbmiller.com. All right. Um, so tell me first,
0: like, where you, like, how did you get started
1: in this industry professionally, and where did you come from? Oh, we're going to go that deep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hit Gen Con with my portfolio, like, uh-huh. like you're doing. Yeah. And uh, I'm doing it kind of poorly. Well, Was it that poorly? Wasn't poorly. There's some things you can fix, but going going around from one art director to another mm-hmm. and showing my portfolio and um that I mean, just that's about it. Yeah. And then I got a few emails after the show and started working. Uh, I learned a lot, and it still took a few more years to 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 really refine. The approach and the book and the skills. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my if I'm going to have to throw some advice out there as far as you know this being a worthwhile interview, yeah, yeah, (laughs) um, would be would be to you know follow up uh, after your reviews. Uh Um, uh, Also, you know, take care of your actual. Physical portfolio, so mm-hmm. it looks really nice. Okay, yeah, that was my mistake. <laughs> if, I, it, if it has price tags on it or labels, take them off. Okay, things like that. Um, uh, if you have multiple pieces of work or styles, separate them, mm-hmm. um, which you've done. Right. Best Do you heard. think I should have used the full could, page? Or um, was that ugly?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you don't have to answer that. So, all right, well, some of the discussing portfolios can be kind of difficult uh, without having visuals. So, we'll kind of mm-hmm. skip to the next part because um, we could do a visual thing at some point if, if, if need be. So, let's see. It started with a comic that was similar to. Red versus blue, which is Halo. Yeah. So there's this guy who was creating some digital comics that look painted and I was really excited about them. And and I was getting interested in getting back into this work. So that that on top of seeing, you know, maybe Justin Sweet's work, which mm-hmm. is very painterly, and realizing that you could create this painterly look. In Photoshop, yeah. got me interested yeah. and then what started getting me back into it was getting my first Imagine effects mm-hmm. that i didn't know existed yeah going out to seattle to a massive black event mm-hmm. and being introduced to all the different uh, opportunities in the field um, and then signing up for the master class and Taking a class, diving in—is even at that point, I had no idea what I was doing. It was just—I was taking. I'm going to take classes. I'm going to learn some new things. I'm going to just brush up on my skills. and It turned out that the master class was a million times more than that. Right. So.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, that's how I started. Cool. Um. So.
0: Yeah, talk to me about uh, your your work and your style. Um, I don't just you don't <laughs> have one style? do I have one? I don't know You, ha- everyone has a style yeah. it's just a combination of the things you're doing wrong right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly
2: I
1: think I I probably quoted that the, the worst way I could but um. <laughs> uh, I I'm probably one of those people who you might think I have a style but I'm still trying to find sure. find it yeah. um, not in the sense that I'm still exploring my mark making Yeah. so that is the best way I think I can explain why I don't feel I have a style because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm exploring mediums uh, I'm exploring process and I'm exploring mark making yep. and all those things add up to your style mm-hmm. and so if I'm still, still trying some different stuff I'm, I can't really say that I have a something specific okay. just yet
2: so
1: um, where
0: is most of your work found like uh, right where, now yeah where are you seeking cards.
1: out uh, okay that's magic. it uh, there, well there's book covers okay um, a few book covers some other game art uh, hmm.
0: D&D what would you say um, for someone looking to do uh, magic card art like what what are the things that they need to focus on in their own art to um, to get to that point, to you know, other than just improving their ability.
1: Wow, that's that's like ninety percent of it. Well, yeah, sure,
0: but um, you know, compositionally, um, you know, in in color, in layout. Is well,
1: there I you know, I think I bring a lot of what I already do on my own to. Mm-hmm. To my pieces, so yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily say you have to create. Well, you need to create a portfolio specifically directed yes. at the brand. You have to understand the brand. You have, and you have to you have to have dug into it a little bit, mm. um, so that you're not you're not approaching the art director off brand. Yes, and having them wonder why. You're even talking to them Mm -hmm. because maybe you don't know what you're painting yet or why you're painting right so so you know knowing that that's what you want to do is one thing having the skills is another um but also I still try and think beyond it yeah um the if your personal pieces might fit in that world then you're gonna be better off I think yeah
0: um i got one last question for you what is what is uh spectrum why, why are you here what is the what does the convention mean to you um and you know you decided to get a booth but i noticed that there's a bunch of artists walking around um that are big names that don't have booths they're just
1: kind of taking in the event um have you been on both sides Not for Spectrum. I was gonna do that this year, but I got talked into doing a table again by a friend who wasn't able to show up. So, yeah, I was wondering (laughs) if you
0: if you got the full experience of the event. I was kind of curious how you felt about that. Not as
1: much as I would like. Okay, I want to go out there and be a fan. Yeah. Uh, What do I want to get out of it? What do I expect? And what Um, does it mean to you? Well the meaning or the, well, the, the reason I'd want to most people want to come out here is the camaraderie, the family mm-hmm. aspect that this community seems to have. Um, so that's the, that's the instant yes, I want to go. Then there's the, then there's the, the frustration of trying to decide am I going there for to make money? Am I going to a show to make contacts? Mm-hmm am I going to a show to show my work to people who've never seen my stuff before to make money and make contacts but it's you gotta pick one and you can't be disappointed if something doesn't go right um, especially the money stuff um, I've done that too much <laughs> <laughs> where I let myself get disappointed right. that I didn't have generate a certain amount of income when when in my heart that really wasn't why I showed up sure so yeah. I'm finally being realistic about why I show up to these things mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's not always about making money because yeah. if it's about making money then you actually need to approach your booth a specific way and I'm coaching mine in order to show my work to people, mm-hmm. that in order to make contacts, uh, especially in the community, people associate your work with your face. You know, your your work replaces your face, right? And they people, oh, I re- I recognize your work. Oh, okay, it's nice to finally meet you, and that makes you that puts you closer in the online world mm-hmm. um, where you can interact and and have conversations and and take take the the community further and make it stronger. So now that I'm at that place, (laughs) I enjoy every show I do. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thank you for
0: having this conversation with me. And, um, again, where can we find your work? Uh, AaronBMiller.com. Okay. I'm gonna to try to say your name correctly. Um, I'm here with uh, Rebecca Yanovskova Skaya. Yanov. Okay, uh, did Yanovskaya. I do that right? Oh, Yanovskaya. <laughs> I'm so sorry. All right. So I, I butchered her name, but her her work is absolutely phenomenal. Um, you're one of uh, Muddy Colors' rising star or, uh, I am, yes. Yeah. One of the
3: four rising stars for Muddy Colors. Okay.
0: Um, yeah. I. Where can we find your work? What's your website?
3: Uh, rebeccayenovskaya.com mm-hmm. Y-A-N-O-V-S-K-A-Y-A And it has all my social media there as well so you can follow and see um, Work in Progress and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: excellent. Um, so, w- tell me about your style, first of all. Um, like, what? why did you choose to work in the way you're working and how are you working in the way you're working? What, what media are you working in?
3: Well, um, I work in ballpoint, pen, and gold leaf on paper. Um, and uh, I'm very much influenced by the classical masters so Klimt, Mooka, Waterhouse um, classical Greek sculpture and that informs a lot of my work um, it's very much about narrative and uh, mythology uh, kind of epic uh, you know, emotions and characters and stuff like that um, I chose ballpoint because I really loved the, the blackness that you could get um, I love that I can work on any part of the piece I want whenever I want because I have a bit of ADD, so I get <laughs> bored of one area, and then I start doing another, and I don't have to worry about smudging it and okay. having to go back. So.
0: Yeah. You're, are you just getting your start right now, would you say, um, or what work have you done um, in the past professionally or otherwise, I guess?
3: Um, actually, yeah. So I've only been doing freelance for a year about. Um, and it's just picking up steam now. Okay. I've actually never been published. Okay. So I don't really have any professional clients. Mm-hmm. I've been doing private commissions and uh, creating personal work and people have been buying that.
0: Okay, cool. Um, why, why did you come to Spectrum? What does Spectrum mean to you? Um, and, you know, next year will you come to Spectrum and uh, what are you going to change about like your, like are you presenting or would you like to just walk the show
3: um, I've always heard about Spectrum uh, the book is of course the best in fantastic art yeah. so I had always wanted to come because I knew that all the best in fantasy would be here so it's a great opportunity to meet my friends uh, chat with art directors and that kind of stuff um, I was very happy that there was an artist alley um, because it allowed me to have a table but not have the responsibility of a whole booth. Um, I don't have a lot of originals on me at the moment because they've been sold, so yeah. I wouldn't have been able to do an entire display. Um, I'm definitely thinking about coming back next year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been nothing but good feedback and yeah. positive uh, interactions with fans and stuff like that. So, yeah, absolutely, I
0: would love to. Okay. Well, excellent. Well, thank you for th- talking to me. No problem. And uh, hopefully I will see you around next year.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All
0: right, I'm here with uh, Wiley Beckert. Um, I think her work is fantastic. <laughs> so uh, she she easily has um, some of the most glowy artwork in in uh, the convention here. Um so, uh, Wiley, where can we find your artwork at?
4: Uh, you can find my artwork at www.wileybeckert.com. Okay.
0: Um, so tell me about your style and your process.
4: Okay, my style is, um, I would describe it as a sort of fairy tale style, uh, dark, a little bit whimsical. Um, I blend digital and traditional media. Um, my work usually starts out as a pencil underdrawing that I then color digitally in transparent layers. It's um, its a little bit like a watercolor process done digitally. Okay,
0: uh, so tell me about like how you got your, your start, um, maybe your decision-making process like uh coming into this industry like what were your influences and then um maybe where your first few breaks came in?
4: <laughs> um, I think I'm still kind of waiting for my first breaks oh, really? to come okay. in. I'm, I'm pretty new to illustration. Um, at this point, probably the main thing that's gotten me like into the industry has been uh, taking a smart school course with Mark Sheff and Lauren Panapinto. Awesome. I took their art director challenge last summer, and that was huge for me artistically and also from a business standpoint, mm-hmm. actually getting to know some art directors and get my work in front of them. Um, and, yeah, I've just been trying to build on that so far. I've been, you know, trying to build up a portfolio and start looking for work. And I'd consider myself still very much uh, starting out, though.
0: Oh, okay. All <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think your work is, is fantastic. I, you were in Imagine Effects at one point, right? Yes, With I a, did a cover um, for them recently. A yes. Cover and a video tutorial. See, I'm still looking for stuff like that. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, don't know, um, I don't
4: know how or why they found me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, uh, what? So, other than other than Imagine Effects, where where is your work at primarily?
4: Um, right now, um, pretty much everything you see here at my table is personal work. Personal work? Okay. So, um, I've actually got my first. Um, you know major publisher book cover uh soon soon okay i'm in the process of working on that so that's going to be the next the next big thing that comes out for me and um i just wrapped up some card art for fantasy flight and right now i'm just kind of picking up uh picking up jobs wherever they come in
0: awesome Um, and i got into
4: spectrum for the first time this year one of my pieces got in awesome i'll be in spectrum awesome awesome
0: um so is this your first time at the Spectrum Convention, or have you been here? It is. I've
4: never been here before. Okay. Um, I went to a LuxCon last year just to walk around. I didn't exhibit. So this is the first time I've exhibited anywhere.
0: Do you do you, uh, feel like you wanted to be walking around the convention a little bit more? Like, what are you considering for next year? Do you want a bigger booth, or do you want to walk the floor instead?
4: I'm probably going to be planning on exhibiting next year as well. I don't know yet whether okay. it'll be a booth or a table. Sure. Um, I've I've kind of been longing to walk around a little bit more, but I'm also glad that I have the table to hide behind and to make people bring their art to me yeah. so that I don't have to go out there. But I've been getting out a little bit today and you know introducing myself yeah. around and okay. everyone it's awesome.
0: Um, so last question: What is what is Spectrum? mean to you personally like what do you, what do you look to like bring to the convention what do you hope to get from it and how important do you think it is sort of that? oh that's a hard question yeah. it's
4: um I don't know it's it's obviously I'm living up in Maine which is um there's not a huge art community and there's not a huge there's a not much of an illustration community at all and there's definitely not a fantasy art community yeah. so coming down here and getting to you know interact with all the other fantasy artists who are out there it's sort of um, it's like the social event of the year for me basically okay and uh, (laughs) so yeah I'm just you know I'm starting to meet some of the artists whose work I really like that I've only seen online sure and um, trying to get some prints out there. I've been giving away prints all day, and um, yeah, just trying to trying to get my art out there and trying to you know find some new stuff myself.
0: Awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, um, thank you very, very much for talking to me again. Where can we find your work at? Uh,
4: my work is at www.wileybeckert.com All right.
0: Thank you very much. All right. I'm I'm here with uh, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Donato Giancola. Um, he I mean, if you don't know his work, uh, I guess you don't care about fantasy sci-fi painting, I guess. That's what I'm going to say. Where can we find your work online?
5: Oh, wow. Well, online is DonatoArt.com. Okay. Uh, And I I love science fiction and fantasy. I I grew up with it. I was an avid reader, an avid gamer, reading comics, uh, all that stuff I just consumed, but I... To be honest, I never knew I could actually be an artist when I was a young, a young really? man. No, I had no. I loved. I loved drawing. Yeah. Uh, you know, drawing was just about everything I did in my free time outside of school and sports and such. Mm-hmm. But it was a hobby. Yeah, uh, I did not actually consider it as a potential career. Yeah. Uh, when like at what point did you like sort of um,
0: realize that it's it's going to be a career for you? And like, what was your what was your breakthrough
5: moment? Well, when I was 20 years old, I actually signed up for my first art class. Okay. So I had never had any formal art class. (laughs) So I'm actually, I'm a poster child that you can actually start late. Yes. Uh, You don't, you know, formal training came very late in terms of how you develop as an artist, how you mature. And so that, that was my first drawing class. I was good at it. So I tried a painting class. Yeah. Uh, sucked at that. <laughs> I realized, wow, I got a lot to learn. You know, drawing's easy, right? I mean, drawing you do since you yes. were kids, right? You, you have crayons, you have a pencil. You know, you learn how to make a mark, you do an outline, and all that. But painting, man, that was another animal. Yeah. I and oils were just so horrible to work with. Yeah. Acrylics were forgiving because they dry quickly, right? Mm-hmm. But that's so that. So that's when I buy okay, think okay, I might I might have a career in this. Mm-hmm. And then uh, attending Syracuse University, I, I went from one university to another. And yeah. at Syracuse was really a, where I blossomed as an artist. Okay. Um, so tell me about your process,
0: like when, uh, I guess uh, you know, how did you arrive at the process you're working with now, um, and how do you work?
5: Well, the process what I do now, the preliminary drawing, I do yeah. very extensive drawing leading up to creating an oil painting and some of that really came out of the need to add and manage greater complexity in the work as i was looking to get into the book cover marketplace yeah uh, you know, dealing with costume design character design solving architectural issues uh secondary creation of objects of like uh you know i don't know Wagons or starships uh, and anything that had to do with that environment. So the drawings were a way for me to problem solve compositional issues, start rendering and light and yeah. shade, just in black and white, right. just so I can get a manage uh, a man- kind of some kind of control over all these issues to juggle. Mm-hmm. And so from that, I realized I was doing these really detailed drawings. And that's when I discovered a, a way to make this, a transfer process, uh, making a copy of those drawings and mounting those copies down onto a rigid surface to paint, then paint on top of those those copies mm-hmm. uh, in an archival way, right. archival fashion. Okay. And actually, that was uh, something I kind of discovered through exhibitions of people like Botticelli who would do very extensive detailed drawings before they stepped into their their final oil paintings and so I just emulated their working methods so it's nothing I invented No, no no not at
0: all yeah um so one last question for you what is what does Spectrum mean to you why is this convention special uh why did you decide to come here
5: well, Spectrum's been a very uh, instrumental part in, in furthering my career as a young artist. I, I first discovered Spectrum, I think just a year, two, two years into my illustration career. And it, uh, it represented a way for artists, contemporary artists, to have a voice outside of their commercial projects that they were executing. So here here was a collection of incredibly talented people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, there's no internet, right? So... The only way you'd normally see someone's work is walking into a comic book shop, walking into a bookstore, maybe seeing you know fleeting glimpses of what creations they had put out that year. Yeah. But Spectrum brought all that in one beautiful printed manner. And I made sure I, w- uh, and when, I when I saw Spectrum, I wanted to be in it. And yeah. so I started actually thinking about what do I need to create for projects to put myself in Spectrum. And that really helped push my career. Interesting. Um, being, okay. being conscious of not just problem solving for my clients, but making art that I could speak to a larger audience with. Mm-hmm. And Spectrum okay. is that. At yeah. Spectrum, you know, you're walking through the floors here, right? There's hundreds of artists, people yeah. passionate about what mm-hmm. we do. Yep. Art directors on the floor here, art buyers. Yeah. It's this incredible. And fans, right? Yeah. And then, and, and all in all, you know, and in, in, interdispersed amongst all those professionals are fans of the genre consuming this stuff and inspired by it and maybe the next generation of artists coming out of this as well all right well thank you so much for
0: talking to me i really appreciate your time and um, have a great last few hours of the all convention right. all right thank you
2: It's
5: a pleasure. the ninja mountain podcast we come within 50 feet of your ears despite the restraining orders
6: Welcome to episode 126 of the Ninja Mountain Podcast, the podcast for artists and by artists. Ninja Mountain is a loose collective of fantasy sci-fi artists who like to talk about the art and business of freelance illustration. Ninja Mountain is a proud member of the Visual Artist Podcast Network, and on the panel this week, we have none other than Eric Lofgren. Hello there. Patrick McAvoy.
7: Hello there.
8: Soker Miles.
9: Eric Lofgren.com, uh, PatrickMegafullGraphics.com. People don't um, know
8: that by now. And it's yes. .net, by the way.
9: Eric Lofgren.net, dot GodBlimey.com. You're welcome.
6: <laughs> and I am Jeremy McHugh, and I can be found at McHughStudios.com. And this week, guys, we're just kind of finally getting caught up after a, a somewhat lengthy hiatus. Fo- you kind of foisted upon us by my work schedule and the fact that I'm a new dad. So, <laughs> why don't <laughs> we, we uh, get started? I know Eric just is fresh back from uh, Emerald City Comic Con. Mm-hmm. I thought that'd be a fun opener, uh, and it kind of kind of moves into a topic that's been kind of near to me, and that is uh, selling art and what have you. At various venues, whether it be uh, at conventions or online. It's still a bit of a its voodoo to me, so I'd, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on the subject, guys.
7: And long-time listeners know that this is one of uh, Sokar's favorite subjects. Uh, oh, yeah, she loves...
6: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, so mm.
9: it That's, isn't.
6: So she uh, lives we'll vicariously through
8: people. us.
9: Uh, I sit here and burn and rise with envy. Sokar, go you get go a coffee to... or something. What?
8: Go get a coffee. I
6: I can also share that I did go to PAX East this past weekend. Great. Pan-Arcade Expo.
9: You guys should just fight me so hard, every (laughs) single one of you. Actually, I have a question for you, convention-going types. Sure. Do they have Wi-Fi there?
6: Yes, for a cost. Many venues do.
9: So, like, if I paid one of you convention-going people half the cost of your booth and FedEx you some art, um, and you brought your laptop with you, could you, like, put me on, and I'd be there via Skype, so it would be like I was there at the table, no. but not.
7: That's a super
9: cool idea.
6: So, basically, you could be um, pulling a max headroom?
7: I don't know what that means. She's she's pretending she's younger than us. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I,
6: don't, I totally don't get that reference.
7: I don't.
6: Totally. Is
7: it, is it a television thing, a book thing? Oh, What's my God. It's a television God. thing. You don't remember Max Headroom?
9: I didn't have a television. Were you until, conscious uh, in the 80s? 20. <laughs> 20 to minutes into 80. the future.
7: how earth did I know? How, how am I supposed to recognize an 80s TV reference? Oh, how old are you? You're a nerd. Nerds recognize 1920s references. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm not nerdy
9: enough for your turtle club,
7: <laughs> you're gonna
6: have it's, to work on that. Do some homework. Come back when you're better informed. Oh my god!
9: All the rest, please. Talk Get about your uh, obscure references, though.
8: I mean, what was that that's Dana Carvey's uh, Master of Disguise? Oh, the Turtle Club,
6: and may it remain obscure.
8: <laughs> and yet, you don't know, no, don't know who Max Hedren is. Uh, It's okay. We
6: forgive you. We forgive you. You know why? I
9: noticed noticed that in all this mockery, nobody has actually told me who Matt Pedro is. Ah. TV show.
7: Uh, Look it up. And from
8: the (laughs) 80s, he was on a video of theirs, and then he became a Coke spokesman. And then they actually tried to shoehorn a TV series
7: out of it. Oh, I think the TV series was brilliant, especially the uh, pilot episode.
8: Yeah, it was cool concept and all, but I, I really could not stand the character of Max Edrum after a while. <laughs> and <laughs> to this day, end. I can't stand the actor who played him.
7: What are you, Matt Frewer. I, I love yeah, Matt, Frewer. Matt Frewer. What are you saying? That yeah. he doesn't
8: have a, uh, a believable
6: Australian accent? Yeah, on uh, Eureka. <laughs> on Eureka? Yeah. You don't you don't believe it when, you, when he speaks the, uh, the oh, Australian I, patois, no? no?
8: I don't have a problem with his fake Australian accent. I just have a problem with associating with Max Edrum all the time.
9: You know, we used to, um, um, where did the rest of that
7: sentence go? (laughs) We used to know what the rest of that sentence was, and now we don't anymore.
6: (laughs) We used to be able to finish your sentences for you. It was kind of cute,
8: but now...
2: (laughs) Do, do we
8: do we still want to talk about ECCC? Or I do. This, let's do No, let's tactics. do let's Was really, uh, Was well. Matt Frewer there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> if he was, I didn't see him.
7: No, why don't you know, give us a rundown? You know who looks exactly
9: like my Uncle Robert's goat that he used to have? Uh, Gary Busey. He looks exactly like his billy goat that my Uncle
7: Robert used to have. She's doing her best to derail us from talking just about trying. Emerald just City. But Dude, we're not going to let her do it. Just plow ahead. Just keep yeah. going, Eric. Just, just say things, Eric. <laughs> okay. Uh,
8: in case you don't know, E-C- Emerald City Comic Con, ECCC, is, from what I gather, like the third largest entertainment convention in North America now, at least in the States, which I think is pretty cool. I mean, and it, it was – I've never seen that many people in one – under one roof before, uh, I believe it was eighty thousand people went through over three days. In the section, and the, the the convention center is it's giant. I'm I'm a small town guy, so I'm not used to uh, these big places like that. But this convention center is it's ginormous, and I would say just about every functional part of it was taken over in some capacity for this show everywhere you looked there was something show related going on uh it is a comic book convention and i went uh primarily with my selling my personal prints uh which i guess are kind of informed by my rpg work so maybe it wasn't the best fit although chris malador was there and he's gone uh quite a few times in the past has been quite successful uh the, the penguin guy <laughs>
6: yeah. we all know chris <laughs> i know he had a celebrity
8: moment there and uh, uh, he was telling me that uh, I did have a chance to speak to him there, and he does really well uh, having that theme, which maybe would speak to what you should do if you go there, if you're not necessarily a comic book person. Bring penguins. Uh, but, <laughs> well, no, have, have, some, have a, a, put a... Put a
9: bird on, on it. Stick.
8: I took a lot of my Lovecraft prints, and sure enough, my Call of Cthulhu one, it was sold out right away. Uh, same with the Dagon one that I have. So, but I didn't go as the Lovecraft guy. I went just as a general artist, a uh, fantasy genre artist. And admittedly, I did make sales, and I had a lot of people take business cards, and they really liked my work. But people were like A and Bing it the whole time, like, "Oh, I got gotta go see this artist. I gotta go see this writer." Uh, we had Ben Temple Smith write like two. I was he was two tables away from me. And I mean, his lineup was constantly packed, and he was head down the whole time doing con sketches and uh, s- signings, and that was the case with every every noted comic book artist that was very busy. I would say it was a very successful show for them that way. Um, otherwise, it's a great show to go to for just as an entertainment aspect of it. I mean, there was a lot of, uh, they, like San Diego, there was a lot of stars there. We were right next to the hall where the stars were and it was constant lineups that were probably literally a mile long doing that zigzag thing through the building or through the, through the hall. So yeah, as an entertainment, as, a, as for entertainment on entertainment itself, it was, it's a great place to go to. And I would highly suggest anybody who's, uh, you know, for us as an artist, definitely consider going. But think about uh, the fact that it's a comic book convention, much like San Diego. But I think uh, uh, Emerald City is, is way more approachable still at the stage. Where, from what I gather, like what you were saying to me once a while back, Patrick, is don't even bother trying with San Diego. This is too big. San Diego is a, lot, is. a lot of people there were saying, you know, it's just it's getting out of hand. It's all about Hollywood now, yeah. whereas uh, it's Emerald City in Seattle is still primarily about the comics.
7: And in in San Diego, they're they're really discouraging artists these days. I mean, they're making Artist Alley smaller and putting it farther away from the regular oh, really? convention floor. You know, it's just yeah, it it's not a not a. Friendly place for artists. What they
8: did with the, uh, which I thought I found was really neat, there was of course the artist alleys. You know, I guess which is generally people that are into doing art and craft and what, and maybe not have a name. But then they would have the artist tables. They were they were spread out everywhere through the. They weren't conglomerated into one area. They were in every hall. There'd be like a half a dozen all spread out in the hall. So you'd be walking along and there'd be somebody sm- selling playbacks and somebody selling comics and somebody selling steampunk costuming. And then, oh, there's Arthur Adams. And then there's, you know, somebody selling mm-hmm. clothing. Somebody selling dice. Oh, there's Frank Cho. You know, it was, that was the way it was <laughs> through the whole show. It was really neat. You'd be stumbling like I got a few moments to go have a look around. And it was, oh, you're here? I mean, wow. You know, <laughs> you know you stumble across these, uh, I had a chance to uh, ogle over Arthur Adams. I had, I knew, I kind of knew he was there. I had no idea where he was and I was doing my little tour and, oh, there's Arthur Adams right there, right? You know, so there's no big conglomeration of all these big names or anything. They're spread out everywhere, which is really kind of neat in a
2: way. Mm-hmm.
6: Well, that makes good sense because if you have all the uh, the top tier talent all clustered together on one side
8: of the hall. <laughs> well, you're That's... probably going to collapse the, the You know, you get eighty thousand people in one little spot exactly. <laughs> like a sinking ship.
6: Everybody run to the other side, quick! There'd be news at eleven. The building basically just
8: listed to the right. Kind of <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, there's a sinkhole under here. Imagine that. <laughs> but uh, generally. Absolutely wonderful experience. I wish I made more sales. I am still happy with the sales I did. did you make and that? I did make, I managed to meet some uh, industry folks, which is really cool that can went out to come and see me. So that was really good. In fact, Josh Finney, uh, I had a great conversation with Josh. Uh, he was there with his uh, Zero One Publishing. Uh, who else came by? Uh, quite a few. Oh. Uh, Patrick, member, and Jeremy, and Sokar, you guys, yeah, we're all ninja. What am I talking about? Member Mike Franchina, he came by.
2: Yeah, hmm, I don't Hey,
8: hey, hey. <laughs> that was really nice uh, to run into him. Uh else? Um, I didn't really come home with any swag. I didn't really have time to go buy anything. But, uh, yeah, if I was rich, I probably would have been coming out with 10 times more than what I went in there with. Uh, As far as prepping for the show, I did uh, foam core on my prints. I did two sizes of prints, uh, all wrapped in bags. People seemed to appreciate that, although I did get a sense that some people, a lot of people were walking around with tubes. I figured, what the heck's going on there? I have no idea, but what they were doing is putting all their prints in these tubes. So that's something to think about, too, if you go to a big big show like this. Uh, Probably preaching to the choir here but uh well
6: certainly if, if you have larger prints if you have some oversized yeah. posters and all
8: that yeah well some of these tubes were pretty you know, like four feet long almost yeah oh yeah, yeah. Well, this is you know really you're gonna i don't know if this will be shocking or not but this is the first time i've ever had a table at a convention
6: well yeah that's it's kind of funny was that, i mean i've seen you at gen con in the past but i think you were just freebooting it
8: well i went uh, to help out richard leon at dark skull studios oh, okay yeah and he he provided a place to stay. I just needed to help him with the booth, but that, I also had an opportunity to uh to uh, uh shop my portfolio around. So I have been to conventions that way before, but sure. just never had a table. Oh, uh, yeah this... maybe probably a really big one to go for the first one, but uh yeah, it was great.
6: Well, that's cool i no, i i'm I'm looking forward to Gen con. i haven't been, I finally got back into the art show after a two year absence i'm Great. also afraid that people won't even know who i am <laughs> when i get back there it's like i know people the common wisdom is that it takes a, a few years of attending a show before people start to associate you with that show and the things that you bring and uh i kind of dropped off the map for two years after uh several years of being there
8: well i think maybe you've been kind of busy too right <laughs>
6: Yeah, well, I think it's mo- for me. It's mostly been um, just personal stuff that kept me from getting into the show, and then like the first year, and then the second year, it was I was not on the email list because I didn't show up for a year.
8: Uh why, when I was there, you were with Dragon Dice, I think. Mm-hmm.
6: Last two years, my friends at Dragon Dice put me up at their yeah. table to display, which was nice. the uh, The thing with the work with being in the main hall is that if you're, it's it's a it's not a bad place to be if you're. If you're Larry Elmore, for instance, <laughs> uh, being me <laughs> in a, a little corner of a, of a small publisher's booth, um, people don't really think to look for you there. You know, They're not in art right. hunting mode, per se, when they're, uh, yeah. when they're on the main floor.
8: A visibility, I think, is everything when you go to these places. That's what it's sort of what I came away with it from. I was in a good spot here. Mm-hmm. A lot of traffic went by. Oh sure, like lots. <laughs> Just like constant flood of people constantly going by. Oh sure. Yeah.
6: The thing you don't get uh, on the main floor that you probably get in an art in the art show are art directors actually walking by, looking for new talent. Right. Yeah that that's something that doesn't happen quite as readily on the main floor so getting into art shows and that that actually kind of pointed out that reminds me of a point that Samuel uh, Flegel actually shared on his uh, he has a he has quite a nice uh, blog that he maintains called an artist's journey and I'll give him a plug here um the last few articles have been about uh, what he feels are are winning strategies for um success at conventions and selling at conventions and things like that. and one of them one of his um points are to have a goal for that show, what it is you're trying to do, whether it be art sales or promotion, or oftentimes these can be uh, separate matters
8: right actually I think I, I think I read that mm-hmm. i think I've I, I read uh, someone 's blog it sounded very much like what he was saying too.
6: oh yeah i've been sharing his updates on my uh,
7: oh maybe that's Facebook where I saw and
6: all that and I, th- you know, I think they're really uh, they're, they're, they're good reads I feel.
7: Good. We should be sure to link to that uh, on the show notes. Hey, does that uh, does that take us uh, nicely and smoothly into one of the topics we were going to cover?
9: Yeah, I don't How have anything much on to this topic.
6: I don't mind talking just real briefly about Pax East. Okay. There's not a, there's not a lot oh, okay. to share was, on PAX East. I mean, for I was people,
7: thinking about our next topic of uh, sales to people, but yeah, that's right. You were going to talk about PAX East for a minute. Sorry about that.
6: Yeah. Well, yeah. I I um I managed to finagle a few passes, and um, I went there with my nephew, niece, and their friend uh, over the course of the three
7: days. And I had dropped. Oh, the, the way you said that, I thought you had a nephew named niece. <laughs> yeah, a nephew named niece. It's very <laughs> I went there with confusing. With my nephew niece. <laughs> it's very confusing. Just stay my, with me, folks. And my brother daughter.
8: But <laughs> 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 uh, uh, Jeremy, can yeah. can you remind us where it is?
6: Well, Pax East took place in Boston. Um, right. It, it's it's a it's a pretty sizable event, and it's this uh, what's with boston uh convention expo center exhibition center I, I believe it's called and it's uh it's not the largest venue i've ever been to but it gets packed it, 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 right. it just the number of people it's just a it's i swear to god i thought i was in the shoots at a slaughterhouse <laughs> you know just going in there you know, i i joked with my uh my the kids before we walked in there i said now understand guys when you go in here you're probably going to see a couple of flashing lights, a few loud noises here and there. Now understand, when you enter PAX, the Penny Arcade Expo, it is basically an electronic gaming expo. So everyone is just fighting to be heard in the scene. So you've got screens that are the size of football fields, so it feels like, and speakers that are just pounding you in the face. And uh, it's 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 an amazing place. It's you know it's a very active environment. And you if if you have anxiety issues, <laughs> the same the show for you. If you have issues with uh, large crowds, and um, uh, or, all, epi- or epilepsy. Ap- oh yeah. yeah or oh, <laughs> epilepsy. Yes. All I can. Me- body you know, odor every
9: intolerance.
6: Every time. What's that?
9: Or body odor intolerance.
6: There is that aspect. There is that aspect. I would just warn you know. Um, by the time I got through the hall each day, uh, I, there was a, I could actually feel myself going. Moo!
2: <laughs> Moo!
6: <laughs> you could not move more than a foot and a half per minute. It felt like sometimes it was <laughs> just a press of people. Have you
9: guys seen those videos online of goats screaming like human beings?
6: Yes, I've, I've seen some popular uh, songs have had uh, screaming goat versions lately.
9: <laughs> no, I haven't seen it
6: <laughs> you have to look around but they're there
9: cool now, well, uh, I just I just thought of I thought of that because of the very realistic
7: moves you were
9: making
2: oh yeah you know well,
7: human beings moving like um, yeah, yeah. screaming like human beings <laughs> Jeremy can sound just like a human being too it's amazing wow. if he tries it's
6: amazing <laughs> I can do that's very it's convincing folks. It's really convincing when I start acting like when I start voicing like a human
8: being. But
9: um so when are you gonna
2: start? Meh,
8: the- Let's give Jeremy the Turing test right now, just to make sure. Sure.
2: <laughs>
6: Jeremy you find are you a, a human? You, you you see a yeah, turtle, it's on its, its back and it can't flip over. <laughs>
8: oh no, that's the void camp test. <laughs>
9: There's so much noise here right now. It's
8: not even funny. But uh, one thing I would say for PAX
6: is that, um, you know, I, the, electric, the electronic part of the hall is it's pretty amazing. And there is actually a smaller section towards the uh, – there's they a buffer zone between the electronic uh, section of the show and tabletop. There is actually a tabletop ver- you know, um, section to this convention. And that's why I happened to be there, because I was displaying um, my latest piece for Dragon Dice. So mm. Dragon Dice was there uh, running demos, and there were some other smaller, uh, small publishers. And there was a Magic the Gathering presence, of course. Uh, there was uh, some tournaments going on. So, I mean, it, there is that aspect. Um, it'd be, it would be almost as though if Gen Con were to switch, were to flip its uh, demographic, You know, know, in recent years, there's a small electronic presence on the floor and and mainly tabletop. This is a Gen Con button reverse. Basically, flip that. And, (laughs) you know, I saw some familiar faces besides the folks at Dragon Dice. I ran into people at Twilight Creations and uh, Burning Wheel and some other smaller imprints. And that was interesting, you know. But uh, there's no art alley, per se. Uh, at this event, you're gonna you may run into people who may have worked concept, for instance, on titles that they may be present in the company booths. They'll have examples. I think Udon Studios had an artist there doing con- doing convention sketches, things of like that. But they were a rarity on that mm-hmm. floor. Um, PAX is not really an artist venue, but at least not in the sense that um, you're not going to be able to set up and display your art per se and drum up a lot of business in that way. Hmm. but uh, it was a fun event nonetheless because you get a sense of where, how this, uh, the, the industry is looking to see the new titles. My the kids really loved the event. They got to demo a lot of games while they were there. So that was exciting. Um, the, the back hall where the, the tabletop was, was a bit quieter naturally. Uh, they don't, uh, no one's vying, vying with volume to, uh, to overrule, <laughs> to over undermine everybody else's con experience. But, um, but I would just say that you know it's a fun event if you're looking to. It was a little. T- I brought business cards, but you know what? When you go to those booths, you realize just how opaque it is. There's no there's no like art director standing around <laughs> waiting to look at portfolios. Generally speaking, right? Uh, you're seeing a lot of uh, booth workers, people who are maybe work the retail end of things. Well, it was mm-hmm. it was great running into John Schindelhedy though. He was uh, at he was representing uh, a small group. Uh, his the new company he works for Treehouse Branding. Um,
9: Isn't that the same company that other guy works for?
6: What other guy? You uh, know that you other know. guy.
9: The one. No, that dude. You know the
7: one
2: with the, um, <laughs> the face.
7: No, no. Um, last he's year, always standing and uh, walking. <laughs> no, no. Uh, last
9: year, some guy was trying to um, be trying to reach out to the illustrating community, and he put up this page for people to submit to. Oh,
6: I think I know who you're talking about Mark Chef.
9: Yeah, that's the one. Okay,
6: uh, I don't know if he works for Treehouse. I do not know.
9: I think that was the company he was recruiting.
6: That that recruiting might be. Corps. That might be. But you know, it was it was great seeing John there. He was helping the man the booth. They were selling uh, some pretty high end. Uh, retail items pretty cool pretty cool he seems he's, very happy uh, where he is now just,
8: i don't know if you guys saw this sorry jeremy but just you you maybe realize that he's actually looking for artists again uh, to, to do work in a and for video game uh, Yeah property. there was some tight uh, pr- some tight projects yeah, he posted he on facebook in a big
9: hurry. i think he had to get people like right away so he's probably filled that position by now but he was looking for people to do art for Fallout, mm-hmm. um,
8: Dragon Age, and, uh...
9: Dragon Age, and one other thing. So, basically, a lot of those really beige type games. Yeah. Well,
6: I, I found myself on the on the last day. I found myself with a spare pass, so I called up a local friend of ours. Uh, his name is Andrew, and mm-hmm. um, had him just come in on the on the extra pass I had, and he got to make a make acquaintance of John more properly. He'd seen John at previous ILX cons, but he never really had much conversation. So it was Wait nice to be able to intro. You,
8: you have friends? I have a few. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have a couple.
5: like okay. <laughs> Two,
6: at least, you know. you know. But anyway, yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was the, there, that show could be very productive, I think, on that front. If you're looking to be involved in that industry, it's, not a, good, it's a good show, I think, to, to get a sense of the industry, to get a sense of you know, what it's looking like on the front end. Um, I'm not sure how much deal-making gets done at this event, though. It's very much a fan show.
8: Break. Right. So, th- that's I imagine it's cents. the same with PAX West as well, which I think just happened, here, mm-hmm. which is also in Seattle.
6: Oh sure, but uh, you no. Know, that said, I'll, I'll just uh, I can we can move on to the next topic of conversation. I just wanted to let people get a real quick talk on PAX. I did run into uh, Scott Kurtz, which was nice. He does uh, PvP online, his uh, online comic. Mm. It was nice meeting him. I've actually enjoyed his strip for years. So. We were complimentary in the mutual sense. It was nice. But, awesome. um... So... Guys, you know, I wanted to have get your thoughts on... I, I post on Facebook more recently. I have questions about selling um, my original art. and I, Last year, I found that um, it made a big difference to my income to sell my originals. And it's something I'd like to do more of and be more mindful of that um, moving forward. So I, I thought I'd get your thoughts guys on maybe selling online and some of the things that you've encountered, whether it be selling prints or original art through the various outlets uh, eBay, Etsy, uh, Society Six, for example. I mean, what are some of your thoughts and experiences on that? I'm just looking to I, I like to get what people are what they're getting out of uh, the online environment for selling.
9: I think eBay used to be, um, a much better venue than it is now. And, um, I think this is largely because, um, there's just more people on it. Everybody and their dog is on there now. There's, um, a lot of, uh, competition for your listing to even be seen. And, uh, people have become less and less and less willing to pay a good market value for things. I see some truly, truly beautiful art on eBay being sold for, you know, a dollar, ten dollars. Yeah, that's $20. a little frightening to me. And, you know, I can see the lure of that. If you can turn it out fast, I can see why you would want to make some quick income that way. Um, especially if you're not spending a lot on shipping and packaging and so forth. But, um, it's my instinct tells me that. Sacrificing what your work is really worth to, um, get a quick sale is going to hurt you in the long run. It, it devalues the product. It, um, you know, this is something that I used to sort of think of originals as the byproduct of, um, illustration. Something that could be given away or sold cheaply, but, you know, other, other artists really really poked me about that day at all, what I was thinking. And, uh, you know, if we want illustrations to be taken seriously as a desirable product, a product that has value, Mm -hmm. um, it's probably better for us to hold on to them longer and get a good price for them than put them on the eBay mill and uh, get a small price for them.
6: Maybe, maybe. Do you think, though, that there's, a, I mean, I, I'm just looking at my um, the control panel right now as I listed my first uh, eBay auction in the, about five days ago. There are two days left on this auction. And I noticed, looking at the, dem, I'm, I'm looking at some of the metrics they have here. I have eight bids so far, but that, of course, only rose the price around $20 at this stage. <laughs>
2: And, well,
9: you, but, you're not—you don't—you shouldn't be desperate yet. I no. did notice that when I was on eBay, mm-hmm. when I used it, well, I mostly use it for selling prints, but sometimes also originals. But I noticed that um, most bidding would take place right at the end because people don't want to put high bids in early and they get outbid and then have to pay even more. So they um, try to snipe it at the end.
2: Yeah.
6: Okay. That's, I, my, you know, my sister, who's done a lot on eBay kind of warned me to that she she alerted me that uh, that's kind of typical ebay behavior
9: but you can end up if you don't set to reserve you can end up selling things for way less than you were hoping this is true you know barely covering your shipping costs if you're including shipping or you know ending up with the customer paying as much for shipping as they did for the art which doesn't leave a good impression yeah, that's
6: that's kind of the that was you know these are the two things that I've been playing at my mind. As right now I have 227 views and nine watchers with eight bids. So, here's the thing. I mean, that's a uh, question mark to me is 227 views are these unique people now seeing my work for the first time?
9: No, that's just Total
6: views. Just like, just Bailey. this Bailey.
7: These could be the I same people just checking views. in every yeah. day. And yeah,
9: definitely. I mean, they, they want to inflate that count and make it look like.
7: But but eight watchers is is really pretty good. That means there's eight people potentially who are going to bid against each other. And yeah. that's, that's where I the mean, magic that happens. That nice guy is probably going to be the sniper. Who was that <laughs> I yeah. say
8: that nice that. guy that's watching is probably
7: gonna be the sniper, yeah, yeah, but a sniper's fine too at the end if you know if they bring it up,
9: yeah, I mean things kind of really up at the last moment <laughs> it
7: but, turns into a flurry of fifty I, cent bids in the, <laughs> in the last you know twenty minutes, as long
6: as
9: there's
7: a hundred of them, yeah,
9: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I sold something on eBay, so it only sold for eighty dollars, which um was my fault. I didn't advertise it anywhere. So I can only have myself to blame for not telling people about the auction and hoping people would just find it while randomly searching the mm-hmm. place.
6: Well, you know, I've set myself up for I, – I, I don't know how successful I've set myself up for here because I, I clicked free shipping to the U.S. And, of course, that's going to be a factor in my final take-home price, whatever this thing sells for. My, my initial concerns, and who is hammering?
9: It's somebody in the apartment next to mine. Uh, First, it was a fucking buzzing all night, Now it's the hammering. <laughs> I swear to
6: God. He's building a meth lab. Yeah, that's what is happening. Lucky you.
9: <laughs> yeah, because meth junkies can afford apartments in a nice area like Nothing this. Nothing
8: drives up property values quite like
9: <laughs> friendly neighborhood it's the new hot
8: thing after Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah.
9: Yeah, I'll just watch for a bathtub to come crashing down into my living room with guts spilling out of it.
6: Ugh. But, um, so, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on two minds. At least at, at this point, the price that it's that it's being, um that's current top bid has put it up to, at least I'll cover shipping. And at the moment, that's, you know, that's a minor victory on its own. Well,
8: how many? How well, we many has sp- lost
6: uh, Patrick? But I think oh, he's back. Okay,
9: that is, there we are. But we, uh, we are really—I mean, when you're saying that, just covering your shipping, so you're not giving your work away for no profit. Yeah, that is not a victory, man. We no, no.
6: But for me, this has been an experiment. Look what I put up for auction here. Maybe.
9: I saw it. I it's, saw it on, um, It's on your Facebook. So it's a nice this is piece. your first.
6: Yeah, it's a fairly eclectic item that I've put up for sale here. It's not like you know, this is not necessarily the most broadly appealing image.
9: That's Can true, one item I mean, be it's eclectic something like that. Maybe take a year or two to sell, otherwise. But would you rather wait a couple of years and get more money, or get the instant gratification of a profit that only winds up after postage and packing? Being
6: maybe 15 dollars. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing. I guess it, in the end, it does depend a little bit. You know, you have to have some kind of a strategy with this. You know, when I think if you're going to start being more active on a site like eBay. Okay.
9: So, what's your strategy?
6: My strategy at the moment is to put up some small ticket items, things like these, the watercolor sketches I do, for instance, uh, these fun little experiments and. The, my basically my artistic playtime,
9: okay.
6: and build up some credibility as a seller because on eBay that does help too. If you've never shipped anything and never had a successful um, auction, right. and you, you get and you reviews. Poor, and no reviews, poor reviews, or what have you. That will basically affect how well you do selling on eBay. From the look of it, if it's if mm-hmm. these things are all important, that that they're important enough to be listed by your uh, next to your pro, your profile. It probably matters to buyers. So things like that, where you you kind of you start building up things, and hopefully over time, you also start to start selling some items at at higher prices. And as those things, I don't so, I
9: don't think it works that way. Though. You don't think I so. mean, when when you when you become associated with kind of cheap office art, sort of you know uh, something that could be buyed. Something that could be bought at a free market price, then you are, you know, it, it's a lot harder to claw yourself up into making good rates than it is to fall from grace and begin selling for less than you were. So, you know, if you want to, if you want to start selling your work, you should start on the high note and say, this is what it's worth. This is what my work is worth, not not whatever change you got in your pocket. If you, you know, it's something you, It's a luxury item you can save up for it, mm-hmm. and um, so, then I can buy some dinner because even after that, it's still not that expensive.
6: Okay, so you think maybe <laughs> setting reserve prices would be the, the safer bet to go?
9: Definitely. If you're going to start the auction at a dollar, it would definitely set a reserve.
6: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, and, and when you're when you're dealing with art, sells for what art sells for. Yeah,
9: it does. I have I have
6: made some pretty big ticket sales in my time, which is you know, it, it, so it varies. So why are you
9: coming? So why are you coming down from that now? Are you well? You I need think, the money really badly right
6: now? Well, no, I, well, well, partially. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to be able to sell some things and pay for paint and things like that. And the
9: mm-hmm. the
6: thing. The thing I'm finding is, um, do you think sometimes that that there's a potential to raise your price to the point where you're simply unsellable?
9: Um, I find that everything except that one picture that I have that has been sitting on my shelf for like 10 years, more than 10 years, is the person being, having sex with a plant. Mm -hmm. Um, Apart from that, which I don't think is ever going to sell. I, I find that everything does eventually sell.
6: Yep. Do you it's find that? Do you find that? What? What? What drives that price? How much of it is what you feel it is worth, and how much of it is what it's sold for in actuality?
9: Um. Well, I decide what it's worth, and eventually, somebody agrees with me.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but
9: um, I think that. Uh, um.
2: Well, you know, it, you know, if, if
9: I... you want to have an entry level product, yeah, it's good to. I think maybe you should make it a mass produced product, like prints or mouse mats or mugs or shirts or something that anybody can get, or you know, little comic books or something okay. that can be entry entry level collector stuff, and that's good for selling on eBay. I used to sell tons of prints on eBay, um, and then you know for people who really want to collect your work they sh- you should have your actual work and i mean i know we all make compromises here and there i mean recently i, I uh, my computer broke it just died one day i think it might have been my fault but anyway i had to buy a new one so i went to the apple site and i bought a new one and then i had no money left <laughs> i was <laughs> all and I mean, my mother has all my savings, and I didn't want her to be like, mother, I have savings. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, I mean I, she has them because I don't know how to invest, not because my mother does my thank you for me.
6: Yeah. Well, you know, you, you look at, um, there was a very recent sale by Scott Fisher, which was it was
9: hey, I didn't pretty finish
6: extent-
7: my sentence yet, dude.
6: I finished it for you. Isn't that cute? Yeah.
8: It trailed no, it up nothing. Not. It, it was. It kind yeah, of. It not much
7: is, of a sentence anymore, it really. It was turning
8: into dead air. No,
7: I was saying, so.
9: Oh, it's I like you
8: guys to... are married, I thought.
7: So, I, I'm,
9: so I was. The point I was making before I was so. Rudely um, well, cut I, well, I wouldn't say rudely interrupted since it didn't really seem like I was going anywhere with that. Rather but.
7: logically interrupted, I'd say.
9: <laughs> <laughs> okay, before I was so logically interrupted. Um, You know, I recently made a little compromise, too. I was really uh, thinking, what a pain. I just spent, like, almost $2,000 on a new computer. And it was the cheapest one I even had. Well, the cheapest desktop model. And anyway, so I decided I would sell 2.5-inch by 2.5-inch originals for $100, which is, believe it or not, less than I normally sell 2.5-inch by (laughs) 2.5-inch originals for (laughs) But not by that much. I mean, two and a half inch or two and a half and a pretty small original.
7: But, well, it depends you on know. what you do with it.
9: Um, I do. So, wait, 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 people, you're selling four. Did,
6: pardon? You're basically selling painting or drawings that are four square inches.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: Basically. Well, five yeah. square inches, two and a half by two and a half, five square inches Yes. for $100. Yeah. So you're basically $20 a square inch.
9: Oh,
8: that's not very good, is it? <laughs> I know somebody who makes like a lot. Of You're doing money quite well at twenty dollars
6: a square inch. Let's put it that way.
9: <laughs> well, okay, but it actually takes me quite a while to fill
7: in those square
6: inches. Yes, yes, but it, there, the, there is still <laughs> as detailed as it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, but we're, not, we're not
7: house painters. It's, it's yeah. the subject and the skill rather than actual coverage. I mean, <laughs> that's like saying she should charge more if she does two coats.
8: <laughs> Look, I made up this little miniature paint roller and everything. <laughs> no, what, you, what the reason I bring that up is this, I,
6: I know that some artists base their pricing schemes on a price per square inch when they That's just one philosophy of approach. I mean, that's that, I, it, yours is clearly not aimed at that. So uh,
7: yeah, that, that's too commoditizing charge, but... for my taste. Yeah? I think that we're we're not selling a commodity. We're we're okay, selling fair. a one of a kind. Well, it's a very personal piece of, you know, of work. Price
6: point for people. That's all. I mean, that, yeah, you know, not everyone's going to sell it. Let's say four dollars a square foot, you know, square inch. You know what I'm saying? I mean, everyone's <laughs> got their own prices. I mean, some artists are, you know, if they use that approach, are going to charge far it's more guy. for their. I think
8: you do that if you don't quite have a name yet. And you can set your own price. You got to figure out something. You have to like, how do I? How do I make money on this? You know, you gotta figure out all your costs. Your uh, you have to eat. Yeah. gotta pay the hydro, you gotta buy all your materials. Yeah. I'm, all I'm, that but... has to be accounted for. Yeah. So you have to decide how much you want after you get all your expenses accounted for.
2: Mm.
9: I think it makes it easier to price your originals at a rate that isn't um, far too low for Something that really is something special and one of a kind that somebody can that somebody ought to be valuing. <laughs> I think um, it, if you have plenty of work coming in, such as you ever did heard as, you're probably making a decent living anyway, so you can you can afford to be a little bit patient with the sales of your originals. Well I want to know about selling online is uh Eric Lofgren. How is your aggressive society six page marketing campaign? Oh, yeah, it's around? really
8: bad aggressive, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, it's uh, I'm making sales, but I certainly can't retire on it, let's put it that way.
9: I think I'm the the other actually thing really is. impressed by how much he advertises. Like, I, I, I think I only even noticed when they had the free shipping thing once. But Eric is just on top of that.
8: <laughs> well, you know, with this new algorithm at Facebook, nobody sees what you post, right? So you have to.
1: Yeah, it's become you Have to find the
8: right time to do it. Yeah, the Facebook is not yeah, quite I mean, marketing. Uh, like I apologize posts, now for flooding my my feed, my Facebook feed, me. Pimping myself. What? what? Sorry about. That. <laughs> no. What?
9: I mean, he posts once for the morning crowd. He posts again for the afternoon crowd. He posts like when there's a sale going on. He posts little reminders. It's actually well, I'm not quite doing impressive. That
8: too, right? It's not just me. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're not alone. I, you're, I'm
9: sorry. I'm not picking on you, Eric. I'm actually impressed. I just, uh, I'm just pointing you out because you're the one I've noticed doing it, and you're the one who's here to comment on it.
7: I've, Yes. I, I I think it's a good thing too. It's yeah. uh yeah, I, as long as you don't get real obnoxious about it because I I've been uh pimping some uh some uh, uh various uh kickstarters the last uh the last 9 months or so. And uh yeah, you have to keep it in front of the public and without being too Uh, over the top about it so it's it's a fine line to trend to tread and uh, something i hadn't even thought of was that doing the morning and the evening crowd that's a really good idea i'll have to do that next time
8: i think you have to it's almost an organic thing that you have to find out for yourself patrick what works for you because being where i'm at i'm on the you know the, the fringes of the west coast of canada um so i have to factor in those timelines that or effect that that I interact with, and they're all way ahead of me. I'm sort of at the end. Well, I guess you, yourself too, for that matter. So you have and so So you yeah, have to you have to take that into early. account mm-hmm. that people are like, most of the people I think that interact with us are like three to four hours ahead of us. If I you know what I mean. I noticed that. Um, I
9: noticed that with um, the Society Six. So far, the only people who bought stuff from me on there are people who have already bought stuff from me in other places, or, um, oh, and one guy who requested a specific picture. Hmm.
8: Well, I think if you want to do a, a quick marketing survey of whether Society6 is for you or not, is go to the front page and see what's on the front page, because it's done by popularity, as far as I know.
9: Yeah, I'm and really not Have a look at on what's there.
8: on the front page and say, can I compete with this?
9: It's hard to say if you think been complete because, I mean, last time I was on the front page, there was a um, completely blank thing that said keep calm and something or other. Um, <laughs> I know. Then there was a picture that looks very like one of mine. Then there were a couple of sunsets and um, some kind of tote bag with a picture of a tote bag on it. How meta! You look at that and and you're like, can I compete with this? I don't, I really don't know how to compare myself. I don't know if I'm doing a bad, I'm doing a bad job of marketing or something. It's just that, you know, one day I thought, oh wow, I made a bunch of sales today. I must have reached a lot of people. And then um, about a week later, I get an email like, hey, I don't know if you remember me but I bought some of your originals a few years ago, and I just found your Society6, and I got a bunch of stuff, and it looks great. And I'm like, oh, this is just something I already know. Well, here's the <laughs> so thing. I like, haven't yeah, got a single new customer via Society6.
6: Well, you know, then that kind of raises the question mark of, you know, how do you build your audience online? Because that sounds like you Oh,
9: by the way, and just in case anybody's listening who may purchase this, Thank you, and I'm not complaining about you being an old customer. <laughs> I just want new <laughs> ones too.
8: Yeah. Right, we Actually, keep yeah, business, so. I'd like to say thank you to all my the people that bought prints for me. Now that you mention that, much
9: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's not that old customers are a bad thing. In fact, you know, people who keep coming back and coming back are like, uh, yeah, you well, know, you you're the people that us illustrators love. Oh, yeah. We want to marry you because you keep us alive. But um, we also want. You to
6: bring your friends. You know, one of the things that I have that I am doing with my this eBay auction is that I have been promoting it on Facebook and on Twitter. And at Mm -hmm. the same time, if one reads the documents on about at the auction site, you'll notice I also link back. I have a link back to my art for sale page for further examples. And for me, I'm, I'm basically this is just another opportunity for me to get more eyeballs. Onto the, onto the idea of collecting what I have. So you know, I not everything I do easier. will make it to eBay. And certainly not everything I do will necessarily make it to Etsy. But there will be multiple markets where you might find things and be f- find your way back to me.
9: I think it might be easier to use social media to get new customers. Mm-hmm. If more of us shared each other's stuff.
6: Yeah, like that's something I, mean, I tend to do. I, I, I don't... A lot yeah, of folks probably don't notice it, yet. but I, I do that on quite a bit. I'll say, look at my buddy made, or this is what this yeah. person did, or this is a Kickstarter. Thanks for there. doing
8: that, Jeremy. I try and do it back at you as much as I can. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate
9: yeah, I've noticed you doing that, Jeremy, and I think it's really awesome. And I keep reminding myself to do it to the rest of you, and I keep forgetting, which is which is so bad. I mean, we should all be helping each other out, not just us on Ninja Mountain, but
8: all no, of I us. No, I say where you go cutthroat and just backstab <laughs> each
9: other. <laughs> no, I mean. It's the Canadian way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If if our work is on our own pages, only people who are already our friends are going to see it unless somebody shares it, and then their friends can see it.
6: Yeah, well, you know, it kind of raises the signal. And people know if they look at my stuff, if they come to my page or they see something, I'm updated. It's usually worth reading. Or it will either make you chuckle. (laughs) Well, well, you know, it will either make you chuckle or it will be an article. That I found that I thought would be helpful, or it would be Mm -hmm. some artwork that I thought really looked cool. You know, I I don't put a lot of, you know, let's put it this way, I'm not posting a lot of selfies. (laughs) You know, (laughs) this is me eating a slab of cake. Thanks for that, buddy. You know what I'm saying? So, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing. I I try to, I try to at least be entertaining.
9: I did post when that artist selfies thing came up. That was hilarious. Some of those pictures. (laughs) Did you see the guy with the um, pencil sword? (laughs) <laughs> he's sweet, like he's got excalibur and it's a pencil
6: i posted a photo of myself where I, where I had i had posed for a wizard that had uh, that appeared on this latest book cover i did yeah that was pretty funny because I, I looked i looked ridiculous
9: oh me too i posted one of myself standing on a chair in front of a <laughs> window we wearing a wearing a sheet and I'm um, trying to flex the muscles in my back. I'm not sure if you could tell that's
2: what I was doing. Wow, I didn't even
7: see that threat going on. I should have... Uh, wow, I have a couple of embarrassing ones I could post. There's one of me with my hands looking all evil, like an evil wizard, except I'm in my bathrobe. I think it actually
9: started with a muddy-colored blog post, and then it caught on Facebook too. Mm-hmm. And... I was posting some stuff, and a lot of people were posting stuff. And yeah. the one I posted was it was um, a, a picture of a drowning or a, a zombie that was drowning, and, and so I was standing there trying to get the musculature in my back to stand out. Only there was no musculature. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, do you guys want to?
6: You guys want a uh, a quick hot tip on on selling on Facebook? Yes. Well, I, I only just recently, uh, a friend of mine posted that. Well, he's an art collector, and he just posted, you know, if more artists would be willing to would put up an art for sale page on their Facebook pages, it would be a lot easier for us <laughs> to surf.
2: Okay, hey, like, oh, I did that yeah, already. Right. Yeah, and I said,
6: <laughs> I, I took him up on that. I, I, put, I threw together, I, I basically migrated all of the stuff that I have at my, at my newly revised site, popped it into a folder at, uh, on Facebook on my yeah, uh, Art of McHugh too. page and bang you know he purchased something I think as much out of appreciation to the fact that I was listening as anything well, but,
8: a, I was trying to do that with that artist trying to sell their work Facebook page and group yeah we should know, probably
6: be uh, putting together a uh, like a link share kind of thing to all the various artists if all the artists are going to start doing that I mean you'd have to would, grant that's one more gallery you have to maintain with your prices well. and what sells but Facebook's Yeah, it was such a facepalm moment for me when I realized why haven't I think of that?
9: You know, in fact, lately on Facebook, I put up a post out of curiosity, and it said, you know, um, for everybody who has said they like my art but they never bought a piece, mm-hmm. tell me why you haven't. And I put various options like your website sucks, no color, and other. And uh, a couple of people did say it was because my website sucks. Ah, oh. wait. Well, I mean, there's no shopping cart. It makes it really awkward to buy something. You have well, to email me.
6: Yeah, <laughs> I used to have – go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You were saying – I was just going to point something. I made a change on my website.
9: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I noticed you did that. You 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 stopped using an external shopping cart. and brought it to yeah, your
6: site. Yeah, I, st- I stopped linking directly to Store Envy from my art for sale page because the fact is, they're not doing anything for me that I can't do in terms of getting eyeballs on my artwork. Because Store Envy, nobody goes to Store Envy. <laughs> it feels like nobody <laughs> goes there to looking for artists or artwork in general to buy. And yes, why know, do I – I, I certainly don't need the uh, inventory management tools when there's one of a kind of everything I do. I know? was a
9: little disappointed by some of the answers that I got. I mean not disappointed in the answers themselves. They were great answers, but I was disappointed that several people commented that it was because there's no word of stuff from me directly like at a convention. Because they like to buy stuff from artists when they need them.
6: Yeah, there is that. I think there is there is an aspect of that that's important. I mean, people never, want to have it. It never
9: occurred to me. Like, I get, a long time ago, I tried to get on with an agency that represents children's writers and illustrators, and they rejected me because I can't do public appearances. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's ridiculous. But apparently, in publishing, that's a big thing. Sure. People like, want to meet if the you creators. A book and it's great, you can get rejected for not doing public appearances. It's. Very unfortunate. If i knew known about that, I'd have said I could do it and then just hired someone to go in my stead and pretend to be <laughs>
2: And Probably
6: hopefully sued. that person can draw.
9: <laughs> Probably eventually get sued for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have tried it. Um, um, but what was I going to say? Um, uh, something... Well, you know I'm, I can't remember what it was. Is someone else talked.
6: No, I mean I did away with the, the shopping cart thing. I, there is still a store envy site where my artwork still resides, but I'm just not uh, directing to it. I'm not really marketing it anymore because it's they're just going to take a percentage to do what I can already do with, with a single email from an interested buyer.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: There's not really not really much interface there to to have to navigate.
9: I wish they'd had interact e-transfers outside of Canada. That would be amazing.
6: E-transfers outside of Canada?
9: Um, oh, it's uh, in Canada. We have this thing called interact e and it's a way to send money directly to somebody's bank account. And it rules. Yeah. It's it's just so great for selling your artwork and for getting payments from customers. And so far, I believe you can only do it in Canada. Huh. So, um, I wish they had something like that, where you don't have to, where you can just send money to email address of somebody without having to. Like I mean, I went, when I got paid for some project for overseas company, I had to give them my bank account number and all this routing information, which you don't have to do with interactive transfer. Right. So. Okay. Uh,
6: you know, it's kind of funny, the, the, the people that I, I, I probably sell even, perhaps even the most to, the people who buy the biggest ticket uh, images that I've produced, mm-hmm. oddly typically tend to be the publisher or the author of the, uh, the work that it was for.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: You know, for uh, most of the Dragon Dice paintings, I've always have sold to the company, to the company president or, or maybe one or two people who are connected very closely to the company. And I recently sold a, the artwork for a book cover I had done to one of the authors. So don't be over... I think it's, it can be very interesting to make, your, uh, make it known to your, your clients that you have original art that's also available. Yeah, that's true. So many of us these days are, are, have gone digital... So I'm pretty sure a lot of art directors and company um, people don't even think that there's a physical original to be found at the end of a project. But if you make, it, make them aware that there is a physical original, that might open up some, uh, some possibilities for you to sell the original if you're interested in doing that.
9: Yeah, I've actually had a few people that I did work for ask how much the original would be, but um, none of them could afford it after buying the artwork itself. Unfortunately, I, th- I think so uh, I' still that way yet, but
8: one we'll day: you know, I know we all hate the argument of uh, digital traditional and all that, but I think yes, we that do. right there illustrates probably the, 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 the single most important draw, drawback to digital. is yeah, maybe no but... physical thing, like there is still that idea in the buying public's mind that they want. The original, That it's you the could original do, that has. Um, well. I, I
9: would you could say do like limited edition prints.
8: Yeah, which is
9: My, the closest I think you can get.
6: Yeah, you know, that's the thing. It's really just a it's just a a, a secondary market, uh, and in an industry where you often sign away all your print rights, that can be difficult. You you you're kind of limited to a singular to a singular sale for any image you might do, if you're if you're limiting yourself to work for higher contracts. Um, if you're mm-hmm. somebody who manages your own copyrights very explicitly, uh, maybe, you know, being digital or traditional doesn't really have any, uh, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of, uh, advantage of one to the other, but for me, I have certainly found that it's been, it's been an opportunity for me to make a little extra money from my work, the ability to sell an original piece after the, the work has seen print.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: So, I mean, that's certainly,
8: that's just one aspect, um, I do think for some some of us though that it's a big one.
6: Oh, certainly. If I mean if if it's something that, you know I I happen to love it, but you know, everyone everyone's got the your mileage will vary as you as you as we all know. I mean. But uh
9: Oh, I thought that nothing
6: not the guy's still the guy's still pounding nails, huh? Oh,
9: that's really insane.
6: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, with the, with regards to eBay, I think there's it's in my current experiment. I'll probably run a couple of more sales just to see if this one goes well. You know, We'll see how well it does in the next two days. Because we, we don't know what the final um, yeah. bidding strategy that, would
9: I'm, be. I mean, but... I'm really not trying to step on anybody's no, no. toes saying that a lot of people out there are undercharging. And I've been guilty of it myself. It's just that if we don't stand up for the value of our work, if we don't take what we do seriously, who else is going to?
6: This is true, but you know, I think what's interesting about auction-style selling is that, and granted, you, are, you never really know if you're going to get a fair market value for what you're selling or if you're going to run into an audience that's either very receptive to it or, or basically not interested in it. You watch, I've watched my share of those uh, auction king-type shows where people bring in their, their priceless valuables, they put them up on the auction block hoping for a big ticket sell, and of course they go home disappointed. But by the same token, there are people who take that gamble and they go home winners. And you know, I think there's a there's definitely it is a bit of a gamble. Uh, I think with, with this first piece that I'm offering for sale, I, I don't feel it's, it's a gamble that I'm
8: I feel comfortable making. Um, it, I it? would, uh, you know, I, I think the piece is awesome, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a lover of your style. Oh, thanks. I think you probably should have chosen a different <laughs> something with a little bit more mass appeal for Possibly. your first one.
6: Okay. Well, yeah, I think maybe, I was but but I think I was hedging my bets on something like that I was pretty eclectic and odd.
9: Actually, I oh, was, was just cool, in but, a conversation on, a, on an art discussion list lately about, um, about what sells and you know, you
6: really should leave with something pretty. <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing, you know, because I like. Here's a. This is kind of the, the funny thing about the the watercolors, the, the sketches that I do. And this is probably where my strategy will not be all that helpful, is that I don't let market pressures decide what I'll do on a day-to-day no, day basis for my dailies. you
9: don't have anything marketable. I've seen your dailies. You've got some gorgeous landscapes in there, some really lovely mm-hmm. mossy forests. I mean, granted, some of them have goblins in them, but some of them don't.
6: Yeah, uh, the, the next piece I'm doing is actually, the, the, right Now, I'm, what I'm thinking about doing now is a, uh, is a fantasy landscape. It's a 9x12, much like this one, You're featuring a uh, yeah. kind of a really bizarre-looking tree. So I mean, I'll you, toss... have,
9: you have that one too with the knight under the tree. I think it was. So. That was
6: a contender for the next one too. I might if uh, I was thinking that I'll toss. That one would
9: have a lot of appeal.
6: Possibly, and I think I'll be. Uh, what I'm thinking of doing oh, for the.
9: Oh, oh, do you still have the original of the that Viking lady when you posted lately?
6: The Viking lady. Oh yeah, the uh, the that monster painting there that I'm trying the to Val-
9: get. The Valkyrie one. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still have that?
6: Yeah, yeah. I'm I, pretty soon. I'm, I don't know if I'll put that up for auction per se, but I'll start no, making no. it available. You should, it's a,
9: you should try to sell it. Yeah. I think well, someone would buy that. If I had any money, I would
6: probably buy it, but I don't have any money. <laughs> I'm I, that one's actually currently that one is still it's on offer on my site for two thousand. You know, that's that's that would be the largest price I've ever attempted to get for a, a work of off from my studio. No,
8: no movement at the illustration exchange.
6: No.
9: No. It never ceases to annoy me That the highest price I ever got For a drawing was at a charity event So I didn't get any money
2: Aww
9: ah. I mean that is such a ah. grace ah. To even mention that <laughs> No,
6: no the, the most I ever got For an original was the book cover And that was for a thousand So that was, that was easily That was my highest sale
9: Wait was it the Bissell Dale
6: one? Uh, yes
9: You sold the original already? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow that's good I like that one it had such a vivid and vibrant shade of red on it
6: yeah I, I I enjoyed that one it's um it it kind of represents a transition stage for me where i'm I'm using starting to use less saturated color in my work
9: but, um, but your placement of it really worked like it had this sort of green and, uh, murky in a good way background and then it had this yeah. It was really vibrant, beautiful red. It
6: was great. Well, I've started to become a lot more um, um, thoughtful in my use of saturated color and, and using it as much for design purposes as for anything else. Because you know, I, I joked that when I first got the opportunity to work in color, that uh, now that I get to work in color, I'm going to use them all in this piece. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh,
8: I didn't even know they made that color, but I'm going to use them. (laughs) I'm going to use them
6: all, you know. And uh, nowadays, if you look at my current, my very latest portfolio up on my site, it's a much different affair in terms of uh, the palettes are on display. And what I'm doing is I'm using a lot more muted color, much more uh, more neutralized color. Um, Uh, Yeah, neutral
8: grays that have hue to them are awesome.
6: Well, they they create a lot of... Um, what's interesting is that they create a lot of incidental color. Yeah. You know, when you're working with uh, neutral colors. Well, and that's
2: where
8: colors. your values come
6: from. Yeah. When you, when you, what's the fun part of working with the uh, with neutral colors is that they start to take on different properties depending on what they're juxtaposed with on the canvas. So they, mm-hmm. you can end up really augmenting your palette somewhat. Even with just a few colors on the palette, you can end up augmenting the apparent color.
2: Yeah.
8: When you and look at the piece. I think that's... Uh... That's where you get Bob Ross's happy little accidents, right? Mm-hmm. It
6: Possibly. Uh, you
8: know.
9: <laughs> Didn't he die a while ago?
6: It was. A, it was not a happy accident either. When, when no. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh.
9: This
7: has been around for a long time. Sadly, yeah. it's not too I think soon, he folks. he a isn't?
9: lot of people interested in, in art. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, he seems to have.
2: Don't talk. Don't talk. I thought were presidents
9: of yours interested in, in painting also. Mm. Showing happy little world leaders. Happy little, <laughs> happy little Stephen
8: Harper. One, one thing I'm considering doing, well, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do it, is I'm going to do a Kickstarter for an art book.
2: For what?
6: For your inks?
8: Yeah. Sweet. I think that's a good way. I think raising your profile is...
9: In fact, that was pretty. one of the things that people said in my post about why they haven't bought any of my art yet. They're like, we're waiting for an art book because then you get like all the art instead of paying
2: for each like, print. a lot
9: of money for just one original you pay like 20 bucks and get it all
6: <laughs> we want all that stuff in one well, you know, place I,
9: mean, I, can see, I can see the point and sure if you get an art book you can leap through it and you know you can enjoy every piece that you know only ever got a computer screen before and Especially with work like mine that does not really get done any favors by right? yeah. screen.
8: <laughs> well, I think if you do it right, you can plan out, say, uh, three to four uh, volumes. Right? You don't have to do everything in one.
9: I've been waiting to do an art book because, you know, you see art books done by people who did them too early in their career. They are a bit thin. Well, they it's not Not even necessarily thin, but they, they don't really seem to show a mature artist.
6: Well, that, who, you don't get to see a, a story being told in their work. You know, <laughs> you look at um, Todd Lockwood's transitions, you get to see some of his earliest assignments, and that's at the beginning of the book, and towards the end you get to see where his work had matured. And it's interesting, you get to see a bit of a story to that book.
9: My concern for myself is more that... I don't want any crap in there.
6: <laughs> Nothing wrong with having a little bit of crap in there. You get you get to see from humble beginnings. You know what I'm saying? This is where you get to show it. It's a hero's journey.
9: I don't necessarily want to show my hero's
6: journey. You don't want a hero's journey?
9: No, I want it to look like I was just that great from You're the beginning. Up. Like I was just, I I, I just started I picked up pencil one day, and it was like the angels began to sing from the heavens. That's what <laughs> I wanted to look like when I turned my art book. I wanted to be like
6: you want to be. Wow. You want to look like someone who just dropped from the heavens, fully formed.
9: <laughs> I do. Like the smoking so crater
6: where you landed.
9: I mean, it's it's like you know. Um, I used to have this art book. I used to have this book of um Albrecht Durer, and um, correct is it albrecht
8: i believe it's albrecht i'm
9: mm-hmm. pronouncing it albrecht
7: good <laughs> enough albrecht
6: durer good yeah. enough
9: maybe i thought he was scottish
6: he's not alive to complain just go on yeah
7: and well, it's got an umlaut so he's t- he's that. totally heavy metal That's right. well, anyway i albrecht. had
9: an art book i had an art book of his art and Everything in it was just so good. There was no crap in there. And I mean I'm not saying I'm ever going to get to the level he did, but
6: you, I look at it this way, guys. If Albrecht Durer had a MySpace page from the time he first sure started striking out as an art as a young artist, the artist is a young man. <laughs>
2: I, I think know, you'd be thought, seeing
6: a whole lot of JPEGs where, of stuff you wouldn't...
2: <laughs> I wish
9: I, I could th- get I rid know, of this stuff. You <laughs> see the stuff he did when he was, you know, a, I think apprenticing with his father or something in making shelf. I can't remember exactly what the context was, but he was maybe 15 or 16. There's a portrait he did of himself as a teenager anyway, mm-hmm. and it's it's quite remarkable. Yeah.
2: I well, mean, interesting. You can see
9: You can see the progression, obviously, in his later work, but... He was. He obviously had. He had um, some. He
7: had some self-discipline even at the very you, young you age. You know, he was
6: sketching dragons in math class. But,
7: <laughs> but you know, it's interesting. He's got the same thing cause he did so much work for Prince. There's a lot of his uh, work that doesn't have an original. It just has well,
9: Prince. It wouldn't it's, it? There were uh, plates. The plates yeah. would be the original, but
7: we can't but, look but at plates. Yeah, those are gone, <laughs> and we've got the. uh the prints only are left, so in some ways, he's a lot, uh, a lot like ours. Uh, no, I mean
9: that's a different kind of print. They were have uh, you know, the handmade. Just, the, just the as an,
6: you know, just kind of getting a little bit back on on conversation with the earlier thing. I'm I'm curious to know if any of you guys have tried out Etsy. Yes. And what nobody did you think of your experience?
9: Anything. What's that? I got to a lot of favorites, but nobody bought anything. Yeah, yeah. Same,
7: same here. I tried Etsy and got zero sales.
6: So, it's a nice social market, but it's not really a, a selling market. Well, at
7: least well, not I for think our it's really genres. Selling,
9: I think it is a selling market, but not really for illustration. Maybe. I mean, was... I th- I'm sure some illustrators find a good niche. On I know it. that I'd...
6: guys like, I mean, Omar Rayan, I think he does quite a bit there, and I know Ralph offers this stuff through Etsy as well. Oh, yeah? Um, I, think, a... I think as with all
9: things like that, you really have to plug it a lot, and face mm-hmm. spaces a lot of us are kind
6: of leaving with that. Well, plus there don't, don't seem to be as many really great avenues to advertise, at least not in, in our meager budgets these days. I mean, uh, I mean, Facebook seems to be tightening up, as people are pointing out. Fewer and fewer people are seeing posts on Facebook. It doesn't have the same reach as it may have, if it ever had much of a reach.
9: I uh, know. I mean, I'd go to Google+, Plus, but I can't I can't remember my um login.
6: It's probably the same as your email.
9: But it isn't. It isn't? No. Okay. It isn't the email I use for Gmail is just like a throwaway account I use for when my computer's broken or whatever. Oh. Wow. Um it's it's not it doesn't have my name. I think its name is Mr. Nobody or something. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't want it to be on there as Mr. Yeah. Nobody. That was my imaginary friend when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. I had two imaginary friends. Their names were Niggles and Mr. Nobody. Yeah. And then my mother was like, who ate all the mm-hmm. raisins? I'd be like, it was Niggles. Or, you know, who turned on all the heaters? Oh, that was Mr. Nobody. Mm-hmm.
6: Well, I mean, I've started to I'll I I make my stuff available for people know that's for sale if they go to Infected by Art, if they see my site, if they go on Twitter, they go on Facebook. There are many places where I advertise the fact that I have work for sale. Um Comic Art that Fans is another example. You know, it's another with a smaller well, it's a big site, but for me it's it's a smaller presence in my sphere. But um <laughs>
9: I, I do think, though, there, there's something to the idea of us helping each other out more, sharing more each other's stuff. I mean, each of our individual Facebook pages has a limited reach.
2: Mm-hmm. But
9: maybe, like, um, I think posts which have a lot of shares, yeah. comments, and likes are considered higher-value posts. Yeah. And um, so if we make a habit of when we see each other's art being like, oh, look, there's Jeremy. He is posting art. Today, I am not going to be a lazy jackass, and I'm actually going to share this. (laughs) Like, I know I come by and comment on you guys' art a lot, but it just never occurs to me to share it because I guess I'm kind of a dinosaur from the age of forums where you couldn't, you know, you just replied. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, we should kind of get in the habit of utilizing the social part of social media more and, and, and giving each other a hand up. I mean, most of, we, most of us aren't even each other's direct competition.
6: No, we're... we're I, Well, I, just, uh, just, just the three of us right now, we have so many... We're very different in our uh, art styles and the markets we chase. So it's sort yeah, of... A... <laughs>
2: it's
9: so it's not like we'd be um, biting into our own business by offering viable alternatives
6: to ourselves. Yeah. Although we'll say Patrick, I do wanna I do want to start doing more comic related stuff. I don't know if I'm not sure where I can do with my painted style, but something I don't want to you try do doing. No why you
7: That's fun, yeah. There's no some reason you can't painted comics out there. Especially with uh, Kickstarter now. That seems to be the way to do it. I'm I'm on my third uh third one. Yeah. Uh, so it's yeah, it's pretty cool.
9: I'm still working on my own personal project on my own dollar. I think sometimes when I see people's Kickstarters, I think I'm stupid
7: to do this, but... Because oh, I oh I have well, to keep... yeah, it's not just you. No, everyone thinks you're stupid. No, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm stupid. You, you should you should really consider a Kickstarter, even if it's something you've been did, working on for quite some time. I, I did to,
9: I did consider
7: it, but. yeah, it, it could get you over the hump, and uh, and it, it, the great thing about it is not only does it pay for uh, you know costs going forward, but it uh, is a great publicity tool.
9: Plus, it hey. would help, It would really help me be able to work on it faster because I wouldn't be stuffing it in between other assignments where I have time. But the thing is, my plan is to um, finish the entire book and then maybe if I can't afford printing or find a print-on-demand service with low upfront costs, then I might do a Kickstarter for editing services and uh, print services and shipping mm-hmm. services. But the book would be done. But I don't know. I feel a
7: bit true. funny asking people for money to, to well, work on something. No. Well, it's, the... it, it's just – think of it as pre-sales. Yeah. I mean that's really what it is. It's one it's... thing
6: if you have all the I – You mean you already have all the work in place. For instance, if you want to do an Art of Socar Miles book, you have all the art in place. You're not, and you're not – it's not as though people are paying you to complete the art. You know, it's, it's – um, you, you have a product that you can market very quickly – it's not one of those. It's not like. Um,
9: actually, just put it, now that you mentioned it, I could maybe I could use an art of Silcar Miles book to partially finance the Mister Gnarly Pouch book. But that assumes anyone actually wants a book of my art. A couple of people say they do, but you know. Well, you, know, you a could lot make. Of say maybe they if you were to make. <laughs>
6: what if you were to make the art of Mister Gnarly Pouch a? um What would you? What would you? How? What would be the parlance and Patrick for? Like a like a stretch goal, for yeah, instance. It, well you can, that would
7: be It can make uh, that a
6: stretch goal. Funding uh, of this book plus this amount gets Mr. Gnarly Pouch.
7: That would be a good stretch goal. The, the stre- so the stretch goal is we've met you know x amount of money, and then if we uh, if we get to x plus y, you know, say say you're looking for ten thousand dollars, and then you can say, well, if I get to twelve thousand dollars, then I'll also do this, or you know, the, something yeah. similar to that, and that that really does work too. It gets people interested in meeting the stretch goals.
8: I'm hoping mm-hmm. to be involved with something like that myself. Yes, you
7: are what was that i, I didn't
6: know that. you need to take one step closer to your microphone eric
8: yeah it's is stupid i got a new one but it's not working really well i said I'm, I'm hopefully going to be part of something like that myself here in the very near future uh, be like oh beep. yeah your ink book well there's that but there's also something else in the works as well um probably shouldn't be talk about it right now but uh I'm...
7: Eric has some cloak and dagger going on. Ooh. Well, uh, well, uh, it involves me. <laughs> oh,
9: so you two are teaming up now?
7: In Cahoots. Yep. Cahootsy My cat's out of
8: the bag now, Patrick. <laughs>
9: <laughs> <laughs> oh my I'm God! Play this for day we're not irritated you know? enough? I'm not being scolded by a gull. You hear that? Yep. I, I was banned from feeding birds. My whole building got a bird feeding ban last year. And this girl still doesn't scold me because there's nothing to eat.
2: Hmm. Hey,
8: what what about, you know, a Ninja Mountain art book?
9: Ninja Kitchen. Mountain art book? That's a nice idea. I remember idea. pitching that to you guys like a year ago. And now Eric's stealing it like it's his idea.
8: Well, Eric had a much hey, better I've idea than you did. I've had this idea percolating <laughs> in my mind since Ninja Mountain started. Thank you very
9: much.
6: Yeah. <laughs> clearly, it's a better idea than having
9: come
2: from, from Eric.
9: Yeah, clearly. <laughs> I remember we talked about, about it last year, and, you know, we talked about. But it's you know we never actually did more than talk because we are all lazy. <laughs> well, what those. would
6: such a book look like, just um just for conversation's sake?
9: Think of the story. Well, I think it would have, you know, it would have a cover by one of our awesome colored types like Kieran or Patrick, and on the back cover it would have little pictures of all of our arts. It would have um, a section for each. Ninja Mountain person who wanted to be in it, so some nice, big, glossy full pages, um, a couple of spreads about their life and career and anything they wanted to say to the world, maybe a little bit about their technique, whatever they really wanted to share, and a uh, few of their favorite pieces, and um, maybe one or two pieces that were only for the book, so it would be a special bonus that people could see for the first time in the world by buying
7: the book. Uh, yeah, you know, I sure like I think.
6: that's great. The studio, yeah, it's interesting. Eric made that connection with the studio book. Bernie Wrightson and that yeah. gang from the seventies.
7: Yeah, I've got it here on my shelf. Yeah, <laughs> Wrightson and Kaluta and Barry Smith and Jeff Johns. And maybe at the end there would be a story
6: about Dark Lord Bagadix. Dark Lord Bagadix.
7: <laughs> <laughs> you do realize <laughs> we there have to. Material. There has to be a mashup.
6: Uh, we have to have like a. Uh, Everyone has to do their take on Dark Lord Bagadix.
9: Oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Clearly. That would actually be pretty funny if, every, if we all had at least a sketch of him. <laughs> it would be like a little in-joke for people who listen to the podcast. But, you know, we have people who are members of the original Ninja Mountain who don't come on the podcast that much, so we, would, we could have some really awesome people who don't come in the podcast in there too like um what's his name and that other guy
6: <laughs> what's his name that other guy those those peoples
9: um sam sam what's his face is The is the, is the, is the...
6: <laughs> samariah
9: yeah oh my god that was awful of me because
2: i've known him forever how quickly they <laughs> I forget, forget
9: last wow. I, I, you know I, I don't have alzheimer's today what happened was last night i was kept up by a buzzing noise i think i got maybe three or four hours sleep because of this buzzing noise i thought it was my fridge but it wasn't it seemed to be coming from the closet but yeah. I went in the closet and there's nothing there.
8: Maybe you have tinnitus. Yeah.
9: No, no, it's not that kind of buzzing sound. It's a buzzing sound that's definitely made by an actual thing because the whole room was shaking. Well, you, you,
6: unrelated to that, unrelated to you, the tinnitus you're clearly experiencing. Fight me. There was a. I really was. I was really uh, impressed. James by, Ryman. James Ryman. There you go. I was what really was impressed. No, I was really impressed by what uh, what John um Art book project for Jeff Easley. I thought that was a really impressive thing to, to undertake. Um, we we find out, well, here's the thing Work for Hire and the contracts that many artists who work with Wizards of the Coast have to sign, um, Even it doesn't. Uh, guys like Jeff Easley have dedicated pretty much their, almost their entire creative output to TSR and its related mm-hmm. products. And guys like Jeff Easley have had a very long and uh, celebrated career. You can't get an art book featuring his art alone because the contractual requirements are that artists may may use some of the work that they have used, done for Watsy in art of books, but they can only use up to thirty percent. But oh, when you're yeah. an artist I who's have
9: contracts that have that kind of thing yeah. in them.
6: But <laughs> but think but that's but think about this: if you were a staff <laughs> artist like Jeff for so many years, and so much of your creative output has been for oh. the Coast and TSR you don't have a lot of uh, artwork that's outside of that milieu so doesn't
9: even to me. Yeah, what if he,
6: he so effectively what did can't did have an art book because of his his loyalty essentially his loyalty to working on these these particular com- for this particular company
8: yeah but someone like Jeff Easley has a built-in audience already he could paint anything he wanted to
6: Yes, this is true. But if you, you know, but
9: come on, get to the part where John's in the head. Well, what John days. has done
6: was he assembled a basically a um, a call for art from people who have who consider themselves to have been influenced by Jeff's work over the years. And mm. so he ended up with quite a, an outpouring of art of available images for use in a tribute book to Jeff. Heiser. so they could use his um, best work from Wizards of the Coast that would meet the threshold of 30%, but at the same time be a a saleable book because it has enough artwork within the pages to make it a book.
9: That is an awesome idea, and it was really sweet of him to do that. I think we should start cheering every time his name is mentioned again.
6: (laughs) So there's a second John (laughs) Shinneheti moment there. Good on
9: you. (laughs) That, that That was, you know... Not just a really nice thing to do, but really smart and original. Yeah. I I'm, i haven't been as jealous since Anne Stokes came up with the idea of doing a book of all the people who had tattoos of her work.
6: Yeah. I mean, I, I tossed a couple of things in. I don't know if it will be used, but I certainly t- joined the pot to see if it if it makes a book. You know, why not?
9: Yeah, but, why not? If I if I had known about this and if he had been an influence for me, I'd have done it too.
6: Sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, for so many people, he and the work of the guys who were in the studio at that time, you know, you look at the work of, of Jeff and Larry and Parkinson, and these guys worked side by side, you know, Fred Fields, they all worked side by side in the studio producing the stuff that many of us associate. We think When we think of D&D, we think of their artwork.
8: So, there you go. I used to
9: play D&D when I was a nerd.
8: yeah. Well, yeah. I think that we collectively need to capitalize on the fact that, you know, we're kind of work under, in a way, we're a loose affiliation under one banner. And yeah. I think there's some cachet there. I think, you know, we're, we're all somewhat respected. I think we have a lot to say. People still listen to the podcast.
6: I think you'll find, man, that I am widely tolerated. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's amazing, you know. My my dubious internet fame has really parlayed itself into tolerance.
8: Well, there you go. You'll be the you'll be the you'll be the benchmark for the book. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, thank God here. I think it would
9: be a good thing. I mean, all of us almost. I know most of you guys were. Well, I mean, I think I've known everybody on Ninja for at least ten years. Some of you, it's actually. Creeping up on twenty, which is a scary
8: thought. I first came across you car at card Elfwood.
9: Elfwood, oh my God! <laughs> that would have been. I've started on posting on Elfwood. I think in nineteen ninety nine.
8: I know. <laughs>
6: I think. So. I think I started posting to RPG Net as late as I think ninety nine, ninety
9: eight, ninety nine. Yeah, and and yeah. you know it's it's two thousand fourteen now, so. <laughs> yeah. And, you
7: know, I'm known. I I
2: I think I've seen Patrick around at least
7: for even longer than that. So. <laughs> who me? I mean, well, uh, Patrick, didn't you? I, I think I was starting around 2002. Didn't you? Carl, oh, yeah? Didn't you? Um,
6: weren't you the guy who ascribed the first tablets that became D and D? I mean, I, I'm just curious. You, you used to. You were like you were doing the cuneiform at the time, weren't you?
7: <laughs> yeah, I mean. I, I remember when he's... I discovered that you could do uh, you, you can find red clay and add red to the brown of the uh, mud, <laughs> oh, and red actually ochre, have yeah. Yeah, actually have two colors on your your wall. Well, you painting.
6: were a pioneer, man. Oh you
2: were yeah, a pioneer. Yeah,
7: definitely. I
6: know,
9: I think I think a bunch of artists who managed to stay friends in a small, very competitive field for coming up on two decades is kind of worth celebrating.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah.
6: you know, I was. Um, I I read know. About... Oh. Huh? Did you guys happen to read um, John Hodgson's latest article that appeared on ArtPact? I thought yep. that was a really interesting read.
8: Yeah, I, was... yeah, He he's got lots to say.
6: Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Something tells me he's like so many of us. We spend a lot of time in our own heads.
9: Yeah. I think it kind of boiled down to you have to find your own voice in the article.
8: The difference with John is that the, the the voice in his head and the and the one that comes out probably in his Mouth and his hand really makes a lot of sense. Well, mine doesn't. Gets kind of gets <laughs> lost <to the> translation.
9: <laughs> I, I kind of feel like I'm wasting my Facebook voice when I read posts like that. I mean, John does post a lot of stuff that's very helpful. And the last thing I posted on Facebook was. A comprehensive list of everything I ate
8: yesterday. <laughs> yeah, but you're using Facebook properly, so Car. <laughs> what, what I like to do is
6: I like to share stuff that I find interesting and informative, and I also like to ask questions. I'll ask oh, I, que- shared,
9: I shared a recipe for pigeon pie the other day. That was <laughs> <laughs> all my posts are about food, I, swear.
8: Yeah. I, posted, uh, I posted. I post. I watched. Um, the desolation of smog the other night. So my post was, uh so the elephant in the room, is smog really a big-ass wyvern?
9: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I saw that. Like, and I posted nerd alert on it <laughs> yeah. it, it was begging for somebody to do that.
8: 100 <laughs> comments later, it was
2: like, whoa. <laughs> you, I, know, I don't, I
9: don't you... think there is a specific shape of dragon. I mean, I was in art school a long time ago, and this woman that was also there, Said that her grandmother saw a dragon, but it was invisible, and uh-huh. she only saw like leaves and dust and rain that were displaced by its movement. So that can be a dragon. I think sure can it's be a dragon.
8: open to, I think a wyvern is essentially another name <clears throat> for
6: a
2: dragon.
8: Really in, sure. In, it's just, a, a, it's just a
6: it's a it's a variation
8: on a theme. Exactly.
9: And then there's a komodo dragon, which is actually a real thing and a bearded dragon which is also Uh, hey
8: don't interject reality now it's too late for that
6: (laughs) (laughs) well one of the things that that John's article kind of raised for me it it was it reminded me of a of a recent exchange I had with a friend and publisher who asked me very you know over coffee asked me what are my goals as an illustrator as an artist what are my goals for my business and I was struck dumb and I I I, I used that very phrase in my Facebook post about the about John's article I really, for some reason, you, 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 I thought I had an answer, but wow. I realized that so many of my priorities and the things that I've wanted for my work have found themselves something adrift as I'm now a, a family man, and some of the, the way I might run my business has changed, and, and I'm looking for better ways to do it, and... It's just, a, it's a, mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing how you, you think you haven't, you have you think you know where you're headed with things, and all of a sudden, you're, someone posts a very obvious question, and you realize you don't have an obvious answer.
9: Yeah, I hate when that happens. You it's know, like, it's, it's with your <laughs> obvious question, obvious question asker.
8: Mm-hmm. Probably where, you know, you're going to get different answers, too, though. Oh, sure. I mean, you know, I hate the, the idea of semantics and all this, but there is a difference between You can see a difference between an artist and an illustrator. There is technically a difference. And I think, you know, if you were... I would look at it this way. If you were to ask that same question to a plumber, you should get the same answer. There shouldn't be much different. If you were to go to an artist and say (laughs) the same thing, you're going to get something quite a bit different, I think.
9: I don't know. I I I I think the difference isn't as fast as some people... So I I, and, I, and I and I dis I disagree some of completely. the greatest <laughs> art in history is the yeah. illustrations yeah. of yeah. stuff like the Bible. Yeah. And um, I, you
7: I know, I can't uh, I can't disagree more. Frankly, I I am completely 100% diametrically opposed to that opinion.
9: <laughs> Patrick and I are disagreeing <laughs> with uh, whoever is saying there's a big difference. I think that was Drew or Eric. I,
8: yeah, it was Sorry. it was true. No, no, it was Drew. The yeah, true. It
7: was <laughs> on today.
8: Yeah,
9: <laughs> <was> yeah. <laughs> no, this
8: teared me out though for a sec. I think, I, I, Jeremy, if I was asked the same question, and I'm not, you know, ragging on you or anything like that. No, but, no. Uh, I would say money. I would, quite frankly, I am in this to support my family.
2: Mm-hmm.
8: Secondary comes what I can do with that career. Certainly, I want to elevate the career. One of the neat things about being an illustrator is when you, I mean, you can become a really kick-ass plumber, but you're always going to be, you you know, essentially, your tools are the same. You're out, your product, or your, uh, you know, the the end service won't change that much. As an illustrator, I mean, we all know some illustrators who, you know, you could say they're artists. We're all artists. But... We illustrate other people's ideas.
2: Although, I
9: I mean, even when I'm illustrating other people's ideas, I always use themes that are familiar to the rest of my work anyway, whether they ask me to or not. But maybe I shouldn't mention that. Well, but I figure people, if they hired me, they're probably hiring me because they like what I do. So... Yeah. Oh, sure. I, if I draw, if I draw exactly what they tell me to, and happen to include certain themes that makes it fit in with the rest of my general body of work, mm-hmm.
8: then well, I think a person will be hired for their unique vision and their their ability to create an interesting interpretation or an adaptation of somebody else's idea. Certainly, I I get that. I, you know, and I don't want to make too huge of a point about it. I'm a little distressed that Patrick's all upset with me now,
9: but.
2: uh. (laughs) (laughs) I think
9: um, that illustrators are more a subset of artists than a um, whole separate um, species.
7: That's a good way to put it. Well, I'll my, I, I think I said it before. So to bore people who, who have heard every one of the 126 episodes of uh, the show somewhere along the line, I must have said it. But I, I think there's a, the, art, art can, real, a visual art can basically do two things. Two, th- it can be about two things. It can either be about a narrative subject or it can be about uh the way that uh it's rendered. Uh, and a piece of art that is strictly about the way that it's rendered, either, you know, if you're doing a, uh, if you're doing a landscape, it can be about the light or it can be about the colors of the composition. It can be about, you know, the abstract Values of art, or it can be a, uh, a landscape that has maybe a family uh, having a picnic and it's about the family doing the picnic. And there's a whole continuum from being only about the subject to being only about what's on the canvas, uh, so to right. speak. Uh, but the person doing the one, you know, to the far side of uh, of subject matter it is no less of an artist than the person who's just doing something about the way colors look together. And every piece of art is going to have some piece of that, even if, if the narrative is about the artist themselves. If, you know, if you paint a white canvas, uh, you know, is the stupidest uh, idea ever, and say this is a piece <laughs> of abstract art, it's still, it's, a, it, it's still about something, no matter how much you've tried to make it, only about you're looking at the canvas and you're supposed to think about whatever the hell you're supposed to think about. It, there's a narrative there, and the narrative is this artist thinks these things. It ha- you know, The more abstract something is, the more the narrative is uh, taken away from the piece yeah. of art itself, but it you still has a narrative. The intrinsic value. I Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, and so those things are in every piece of art. And so every illustrator is an artist. You can't take the two things apart, uh, you know? And I I believe that fine art and illustration is a really um, artificial um, division. Yeah, there's there's only overlap. It's just (laughs) areas of gray. There is no black or white from fine art to illustration, I don't think, because then you'd have to say, you know, Da Vinci was an illustrator. Michelangelo and Durer—they were all illustrators, uh, which would be silly. Um, so, so you have you have to they say
9: illustrators, uh, but they were
2: also yeah.
7: artists. You know, <laughs> I would say they're all oh. artists who did illustration.
9: <laughs> all illustrators are artists. Not all artists are illustrators.
8: Yeah, <laughs> well, maybe maybe I'm getting more cynical as I get older. Let's
2: <laughs> that's possible.
9: Well, that's we are, you know, maybe we're just making the distinction because we're annoyed that we don't make as much as other artists. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, certainly... and, so you know we well, can say, a... oh, we're not making any money because we are just illustrators.
7: Well, there's well, I'm sure there's a lot of there's a lot of starving artists who think exactly the opposite. Who say, I'm not making any money. money. I should be an illustrator, and then I'd be making <laughs> money. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think yeah. the, the,
6: the the question mark I I've, I've, I find myself facing is I, I obviously love telling narrative, I love telling stories, I love creating visual, you know, I love being able to convey something visually. And the question mark for me now is the, presented by that question, where do I see myself, where do I want to take myself with my work? And there's a practical side of things where I have to make sure I make rent every month and I can afford little med- you know, medical bills and diapers and food and all sorts of things that keep a household running. And at the same time, how do I marry um, my current creative goals with those overarching goals of uh, keeping uh, making a living? And mm-hmm. the, the, it kind of comes down to how much of the work I do is contractual and how much of the work I do is self-directed. And at what point do I see myself you know my own work as a brand that perhaps other publishers would want to take um, take part in you know things of that sort so I, you know these are these are kind of those um, important questions about where I take my business and how I mature it and how I um, make it grow do I make it grow in the direction of taking on more contract work, and hopefully raising my rates? Do I take it more into a, a personal direction where I'm doing much more self-directed stuff and hopefully making a living from that? Is it a mishmash of the two? Am I using the yeah, contract yeah. work to build an audience for my personal stuff? Do I have a personal mission? These are, that's, right. a, I mean, that's the level of questioning I'm starting to raise for myself.
8: Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was really encouraged by uh, I think we know a couple artists that have basically publicly said, I'm not doing freelance anymore. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to... Yeah, you know, and I think for people to be that ballsy, I think that's awesome. And say, yeah, I'm going to take what I do and treat it like it needs
9: to be treated. Yep. So pretty well I always, I think um, it is a big risk. It is a huge risk to um put a huge investment in your own personal vision because uh, many times you find that people don't share it. Uh, I often find that people have no idea what I'm getting at, but I keep drawing it anyway, hoping that one day people will there'll be people who
2: like it. Well- well, I you
6: know, think you know, guys, have- real, real, before we, uh, before we go on, I wanted to say, uh, thank you, Patrick, for stopping in. I know you have to dash right now.
7: Yeah, it's, uh, really, uh, great to get together as we, uh, uh, so, uh, often say we need to do this more often. But, uh, next, next time we can do the uh, thing we promised to do this time, which is to <laughs> critique our own art. And we will get that together and do a self-critique. And hopefully we'll uh, we'll all come out better for it and not have our souls crushed or anything.
8: I'll take art, <laughs> but you guys can't critique my stuff.
9: Yeah. <laughs> you have to bring art or you can't come. Yes. The rule of critique day. Critique day. Uh, Patrick,
8: <laughs> before you take off, Patrick, can I hook up with you at some point this week?
7: Uh, Talk about your secret sure. project.
6: You yeah. Yeah.
7: we can get together and talk about our secret project. Super secret. Super secret project. Yeah. Yeah. It's a secret even we don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, we
8: have to figure <laughs> out what it is. Then, yeah. We're
7: still working on it. Yeah, we're yeah. still working on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be uh, that would be great. So, uh, drop me a line. I may be. Uh, yeah, I, I, I may be in and out a time. lot, but uh, drop me a note and we will get together. Yeah, yeah.
9: I, have to ho- I have to hop out. I have to.
7: I okay. mentioned here
9: that Eric is totally hopping the queue to work with Patrick. I expressed interest <laughs>
7: years ago. That you did. Well, you should get in touch again, because uh, now that have this Kickstarter <laughs> thing is around, uh, it's it's easier to get together with your friends and
8: yeah, do awesome really stuff. Right now, so, far, have your people contact Patrick's
7: people. That's right. I don't really yeah. have time right now, but, you know. <laughs> Oh oh you just wanted to complain. Okay. Yeah, okay, we we'll see what's going
9: on. I not i to okay.
7: complain about I'm something jealous, that's actually that's my a... fault. <laughs> Jealousy horrible. is ugly. There you go. So there okay you. guys, <laughs> it's 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 been real. <laughs> it's been a slice of heaven as always and I will talk to you again soon. Okay. Talk, talk to, soon. to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.
6: But uh continuing where you were saying, Eric.
8: Yeah, I honestly, Jeremy, I, you know, I, 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 I get where you're coming from because I feel that way too sometimes. But at the same time, I've had to sort of step back recently and say, you know, I, re- I have to get good simply in order to be employable. Let's put it that way. That's kind of my primary focus. You well, know what I mean?
6: Well, yeah, that's that's I always. A, I think that's a, an ever-present focus. I think for guys like us, but yeah, sure.
8: And I certainly, you know, I uh, sympathize with the way you felt about that question, because it is an important question we should all ask at some point. And I didn't mean to ambush you there with my own opinion, but uh, yeah, you know, that's, I think that's where I'm at with that, really, is what it comes down to. I don't, right now, I don't have the luxury of going, you know, what do I want to do with, uh, you know, my career and all that. Well, I just want to have one. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you yeah. know, I've been at this since
6: – I'm at a point where I've been at this since 2001. With, exactly, with yeah. I met with limited financial success, and my work has been – I think I feel as though my work has had some ups and downs, and the, the stuff that I'm doing now is an uptick. Mm-hmm. And I, I see certain things materializing in my mind about the kind of work I can do and will do in the future. You know, and I, I've come to the real i realize that my work will not fit every brand that I'd like to work on, and it may—it it may not. It may someday. I don't know. But uh, how much of do I want to depend upon this market for sure. what it is I, I like to do and how what I'm good at doing? Yeah. You know, I—I I was chatting with um, a friend of mine at at Gen Con. She knows who she is if she's listening. Got another and, friend? Wow. Yeah, I've got a few. I swear. It. That's <laughs> like two. Two I've mentioned. Yeah, wow. wow.
9: They're and, really
6: out. Yeah, you know, she she wanted to she it was I think it was presented to her maybe she should alter her style if she wants to get work from a particular company. And my thoughts for her on that score were why? Yeah. I mean, think about this. You could be doing this for 30, 40 years. How long do you think the company in question will be around? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. change all. You change yourself around to to work for a particular company or brand. That brand's gonna change. That company may yeah. disappear. I mean, what? Wh- what are you left with? Why would you have done it? What did the you
9: get? The goal gain? is to get such a recognizable and popular brand that people will will ask other artists to change their styles to be more like you.
6: I didn't catch that. <laughs> I'm not sure I understood. What, what do you
9: mean? I said the goal is to get such. A recognizable and desirable brand that. Uh, oh, your own brand?
8: You're, you're talking about an artist. No, you own. Well,
9: by brand, I mean. Well, just that's the thing. If, if that, it
6: require yeah. such a tremendous change in your own work, does that working on that brand actually do things benefit your brand? If your work is very different, what you do for them is different. Yeah, exactly.
9: From what you would I mean, the do. goal is not to change yourself, it's to it's to be the person that. Companies are asking other people to change to be like.
6: Ah, <laughs> well, yeah, oh, okay, so yeah, you're in agreement then, okay. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I
9: have I, okay. I totally a <laughs> okay. uh, You know, there's.
6: You want the to be the, the trend, be the As
9: everybody else is doing, mm-hmm. then you are um, you're playing it safe, but you're also very likely denying yourself that small possibility of. Incredible success.
6: Yeah, you could be yeah. that voice that people start to gravitate towards. Yeah, yeah, you could
9: be denying yourself that small but yeah. Yeah. possible outcome.
6: Yeah. So my, my, in the end of the day, I think my advice to her was that be true to what you're doing and look for the markets that employ what you're doing, rather than seek to change what it is you do just to meet the requirements of a particular publisher. I think, you know, at least in terms of your style. Sure, I mean, there you know, there, I grant, there are probably, um, whenever you work for a publisher, there are certain concessions that you'll end up making, but I would hope that the things that you, the concessions you make are ones that are not going to hurt your brand. For instance, if you don't do, just in extremes, if you don't do erotica, I would not be jumping on the bandwagon to create an erotic portfolio for a single publisher just because they, you hear that they pay well. If it's not going to help your brand and, your, and that if, you, if it's not going to help you to be the artist you want to be in 5, 10, 20 years, 30 years, maybe that's not the, the right path.
8: Yeah, uh, yeah, good. that's a good way to put that. Um, sell, selling out, I, I guess, is what you could call that in a way. Um, pimping yourself out, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. pardon the know, pun there in a way, because, you know, talking yeah. about erotica. But yeah.
6: and, and I'm not saying that you should ignore the continuing the continuing improvement of your work. I mean, don't I, that not. can be just as equally style a,
9: and quality are two totally exactly. different things. Exactly, so we you should we, be constantly refining your style and improving the quality of it. But you know, keeping something that's recognizable and distinct isn't really a bad idea. Yeah,
6: so then, you know that that's just kind of where I'm taking that now. I've, when we talk about selling art, for instance, and how that feeds into that when you, when the commercial decisions start being made, you know, if I let's just say I tomorrow I post a a, a dragon piece and it sells phenomenally well,
2: uh-huh.
6: now do I start making everything I do about dragons, even though it might not be my sole interest? You know, well, that, I that think would be has... a that would be a purely commercial decision, and yeah. you know that and. In, in the honor of feeding my family, yeah, I would do that. But what would I lose to that? What might I well,
8: lose in doing that? Uh, I think if it was a short-term thing, yeah. um,
6: But if you turn, I, if you make every decision you make, if every decision you make is ultimately commercial, I, I,
8: oh, I, I see what you're trying to say. Yeah, I got you, a little you know, little dense here. But, um, no,
6: no, no. You know, you're 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 right on target. You're right on target there. That's it's worth that's something to, to think about. Uh, it's just a for me. It's you know, It's a question mark of. Um, how do you strike that balance between commercialism and being happy creatively?
8: Yeah, well, it could be one of the sort of the holy grails of the industry in a way you think about it. Uh, Some guys able...
6: marry it perfectly, and you, yeah, you can tell exactly. because their stuff just rocks at every, yeah. every turn.
8: Yeah. And they're being sought after.
6: Mm-hmm.
9: You really I, have to I, commit to it. You have yeah. to make a huge commitment. And... Not just to creating the work, but to creating the market if it isn't already there. Mm -hmm. This is something I notice more and more. That, um, you know, if you're doing something and you really like it, but there isn't that much interest yet in it, you are not going to swim if you cannot draw up some interest that you have to. You might have to be very innovative in creating the market.
6: And if you're going at it, if you're trying to build that market through working commercially, then granted, you're kind of relying upon getting the kinds of um, working on the brands that have the largest audiences that you can hopefully woo to your brand over time. You look at uh, some of the, for instance, if you look at the image artists of the early 90s, where they had built their followings with uh, work with the major publishers being Marvel and DC of that time. That, right. that kind of fan goodwill, they, could, they were able to capitalize upon that when they developed Image Comics. They drew that audience yeah. with them.
8: Yeah. So yeah.
6: there is something to say. I think there are plenty of artists who have made their – who've kind of earned their audiences by working on major brands. They've had the, the kind of visibility they needed before moving on to their own personal projects and personal brands. My question, Mark, is you know, I, I, I don't know if, I find myself, if I'm going to find myself uh, – working on those types of too many of those anyway too many of those types of brands where I can bring an audience with me if I you know if and when I move on from that brand right so there's like long yeah. there's some long there is some long-term thinking even to take on uh, commercially viable work
8: yeah um, yeah never really thought of it that way but I suppose well, you you're right about that you'd have to think about that again I you know I've just I'm, all I'm thinking about right now is getting to work. Maybe I do need to start thinking about that a bit more again. But uh, I know I just uh, love to get involved with uh, Watsy. Uh, just not cracking that up yet. But, hey, uh,
6: look at the bright side, man. ArtDrop knows our names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> personalized rejection emails. Or at least yeah. personalized, not rejection, but personalized emails of don't get your hopes up. Yeah, yeah, automatic.
8: Yeah, I got mine. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I. I think it might have been you that commented on that. It Was like literally a month later.
6: Yeah, oh, yeah. For me, it was a couple of weeks later. You know, wow, that, that was a slow return <laughs> yeah. for an auto respond. Man, it, it must be really busy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I it
9: is that. Yeah, you know, the auto
8: respond is busy. Yeah.
9: Of course, John Hedy has to so leave. We, what wizards of the coast? He was the only one there who liked me? <laughs>
2: I, I,
8: th- I talked to John about that. I met him at GenCon, and I, mm-hmm. uh, that came up. I said, "I said, I said, no, no, it was, I was about the auto drop." And I said, "I submitted something the other day, and I didn't get that automatic reply." He goes, "What do you mean automatic reply? I reply to every submission that comes in." I'm like, Oops. <laughs> 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 I I
6: copy paste every response that I <laughs> that <laughs> I get. <laughs>
9: you shouldn't make fun of this dude. He could still hire us. Well, (laughs) you guys anyway, probably not me. (laughs) I somehow can't see myself doing art for Fallout. (laughs) 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 You know, I used to be be such a fan of Fallout, then it turned into kind of a shooter, and, you know, I tried to play the ones after Fallout 2, and I just... I was trying to get out of the very first vault, and... These giant cockroaches that I couldn't see because I kept looking at the ceiling by accident, just kept nipping my heels till I died. It was horrible. It was just... (laughs) And, you know, then I was just walking around the the wasteland, minding my own business, and somebody shot me with a blowtorch from behind. And I died instantly.
2: And then a naked
9: mole rat fell on me from above, like this giant naked mole rat, and I died again. And I never want to visit
6: your dreams, ever.
9: This isn't a dream. It's a game of Fallout 3.
6: Fallout 3 had moles?
9: It had giant hair hairless mole rats that snuck up behind you and jumped on your head and killed you. Oh, and then I then I found some water. So I thought, you know, I'd go down to the water and look <laughs> at it. And it was radioactive and I died.
2: Mm-hmm.
9: And then I found a tunnel and I thought, ooh, finally, safety. And I opened the tunnel and all these gangsters came out and just poured out everywhere and shot me. And I died again.
6: What are we talking
2: about? Oh my god. We're talking
9: about Fallout Now we're talking about Fallout. Yeah, it's not as fun as Fallout used to be. I mean, Fallout 1 and Fallout 2 were these awesome strategy type games. Really entertaining and wonderful. And then Fallout 3 comes out and it's it's a shooter. It's, it's it's totally different. It's 3D and stuff. And, and, and it's really hard to control. And it's just not the same game at all. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I want you talking game.
6: about these violent video games in front of my child. Yeah.
9: <laughs> Does your child understand language yet?
6: Um, no. <laughs> not really. Well then...
9: Well, then. <laughs>
6: Yeah. Okay. I uh, yeah. stop talking
9: about violence in front
6: of your <laughs> child. <laughs> but so here we are having our existential navel gazing session, and
9: I didn't actually realize he was still there. He hadn't done one of his little squeaks a while.
6: <laughs> he'd been <laughs> falling. He'd kind of been dozing here in my arms here.
9: Yeah, okay. you have to. You should let us know when he starts. You know, understanding what's going on around him, so we can make sure and be very appropriate. Oh, I understand. don't doubt
6: that it will be some day where he will in. Kind of in the same way that maybe Drew's little guys come up at the studio once in a while. He'll come up and he'll offer a story. He'll, no doubt, he'll <laughs> tell us a story someday, and it'll or be. Or his epic. first
9: word will be the F word.
6: Freelance.
9: <laughs> freelance, yeah. There you go.
6: Daddy, we can't afford my favorite toy because you're freelance. <laughs> <laughs>
9: well, that'll free be an entire free. sentence.
6: We don't use that word in this house, young man.
9: <laughs> but um, anyway. anyway.
8: Yeah. yeah.
6: But uh, you know what? I It's probably time to saddle up. This yeah. so little guy's going <laughs> to be having his dinner shortly. But um,
9: yeah. I had fun talking with cutting you guys. I'm a bunch of pieces of paper to down today.
6: I, I hope our listeners, if they have any experiences they'd like to share regarding... Um, Selling their work at on you know online or at conventions or through uh eBay for instance, feel free to chime in in the uh at the uh, podcast home on facebook Absolutely. and um oh you sound like you're just settling in again. how are you doing little man that's my boy Very... that's my boy but um I have been jeremy mcHugh at mcqstes Eric com
8: awesome. oh that's me. Uh, EricLofgren.net and So Carmiels
9: at
6: Well, thank you guys for joining me this week, and uh, I'll just make one more final plug. Check out my uh, check out my uh, my auctions on eBay, guys. They'll be epic. I'm gonna make. Yeah. <laughs> Let's there, get this
9: first auction up over a hundred bucks, audience people.
6: <laughs> Don't worry, this show <laughs> this show won't post before that auction is done. <laughs> <laughs>
8: It's, it's a game changer. It's you got to go check it out. It's yeah, the best thing that's ever been on there.
6: Sure, you know. Yeah,
8: you're all gonna
6: miss it. <laughs> you know, Scott Fisher. He he put up a um an awesome Magic the Gathering painting that he had done, and it mm-hmm. did phenomenally well mm-hmm. on eBay. I think it's sold cool. for a little over $7,000. Ah, nice. Nice. You know, so good on him. I think that's awesome. I'm seeing a lot of artists these days are starting to auction some of their paintings on eBay, which is, I think, pos- perhaps in an answer to this, seeing yeah. a, a bit of an uptick in people paying attention uh, to that site. So maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see more. I- I'll continue with my minor experiments with these smaller pieces and just see how people will take to it.
9: Yeah, it would be great to be of the, These aren't doing me any resurgence. good in my in
8: my closet, so yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I have a metric ton of uh, black and white illustrations. I gotta figure out what to do with pretty soon. You,
6: they, they may find uh, worthy homes. Right.
8: Well, you know, if people. I would, I would not say no to it if people were interested, seriously interested. So,
6: you know, do you have a uh, an art for sale page on Facebook? I have artists selling their work. You have artists selling their work. Yeah, you're involved in I'm that. involved in so that.
9: basically all artists. The point is to reach people who aren't artists yeah, that's and make the, them that's, buy it.
6: That's the only concern I have because it can turn into a bit of an artist echo chamber.
9: Yeah, well, that's the
8: thing. I, I put the word out. I said, make sure that you try and share with your friends that sure. aren't artists. didn't mm-hmm.
9: oh, are artists selling their work. And all those lazy F-words have not been doing that. <laughs>
6: I shall do that henceforth with, then. I shall share Hens the name of the Henceforth with?
9: <laughs> that is not a word. Of course Jeremy. it's not.
6: Verily. Verily. You have baby brain. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't sleep anymore. I gave it up. Oh, yeah.
9: I read yeah. somewhere that parenthood actually alters the structure of your brain. This is it's why not. I'm never having children. I like my brain.
6: I'm pretty sure it's made me dumber.
8: Same <laughs> that don't make you appear dumb or anything. (laughs) Yeah. Kids are good good at that.
6: It's taken, basically it removed points from my IQ and put them towards being able to change my little boy without getting dookie on my
8: hands. Exactly. Now that's a hell of a skill to have.
9: Actually, I've been really impressed that you haven't been posting about your son's bowel movements on Facebook. So many of my friends who have children post mm -hmm. these horrifyingly humiliating posts that you just know that... When they get into grade school, their classmates are going to find and
2: laugh
6: at. Yeah. I, I kind of like the idea that you know, there may be a day when my son will be of a certain age and he decides, you know what? I think I'd like to partake of social media in a responsible yeah. manner. And I don't think he necessarily needs to have his daddy's timeline haunting him. Oh, yeah, look, like a I photo mean, of me couple... naked with you know, in a pile of my own poo. You know, that Yeah, <laughs> I
9: mean, I've got a couple of friends who've been, who just had babies and they're posting so much. Bound movement stuff, it's just horrible. It, it's really, I mean, do they not realize those cute little babies that aren't yet sentient are going to grow up and be mortified by this stuff? There was this kid in my class, um, all through primary school until I moved to Canada and his name was Brownseat. I don't even know what his real name was. His name was Brownseat Brown because, <laughs> <laughs> yes, his name was Brownseat because when oh, he was dear. four years old, he went to the fair. And he ate some bad um, candy floss, and then he went on one of those rides, like a waltzer that spins you round and round, and he pooped everywhere, and he and he had to walk around. It was,
6: that followed him the rest of his life.
9: And then his brother told everybody, His his older brother told everybody at school about this, so... For at least three years, his name was Brownseat, and I don't know what his actual name was. I seriously don't know it in my class. And, and I mean, you know, it, it's bad enough your brother does that to you, your own brother. Man, Imagine it was best, your parents.
6: That it was the people best. people you
9: should be able to trust more than anybody.
6: Sokar, I have to say, that Sorry. was that was the best outro story I've ever heard.
9: Wait, was that still being recorded?
6: Of course that was still being Did you hear me say, cue the musication?
9: I did not. Oh my god. I'm so sorry to any of you people that might have heard that who have posted bowel Movement stories lately. I, I'm, I, I assure you I didn't mean you personally, even though I probably did. <laughs> oh god. Oh well, I guess now the story of Brown Seat lives on and I perpetrated the humiliation without the, even realizing
6: The legend <laughs> continues. It gains oh. new legs on well, a popular podcast.
8: Per- It's an urban legend (laughs) (laughs) now.
6: You're a horrible person, Sokar. I hope you're happy.
9: It's a good thing I didn't remember his real name.
8: <laughs> <laughs> and you know, telling us where he was, yeah, you know, he lived at such and such on such and such street. And uh...
9: I didn't even say where I lived at that time, except it was somewhere in Scotland. Somewhere, somewhere in, in Scotland, Scotland. There's a boy who was Cute. named Bransy.
8: <laughs> Thank you for tuning in, folks. I'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> such high quality entertainment. oh my god God. why do people listen to us again
9: I did not realize I was telling a bowel movement story on the air (laughs) to be fair